you can uh, change your password, of course, but you can't change your your username. So tell me what you want to be, you know, what you want your username. Because if you just send me an email, say I want to get in chat, well, I'll may I'll give you a, a username, you know, but it might not be what you want. It'll be based on your, you know, whatever your name is or your email or something. Uh, but you know, send me a username and I'll fix it up for you, and you'll be able to uh, get in there. All right, you know, and I don't know. You guys have been listening for a while. You know the reason. You know, uh, spammers trying to shut down our uh, server. Well, you know. All right, uh, let's get to some things and stuff. How about this? You ever, you know, maybe we should ask ourselves, why did FEMA just put a rush order on 5 million bottles of water? Hmm? Sometimes we can get a hint of things that are to come by watching what the government is doing to prepare. After all, their intel is way better than ours. <laughs> come on, man. You know, I, I these writers, man, I mean, they're on point with so many things, but they're they're just, they don't get it, man. It's not intel. Folks, it's not intel when you're the one planning it. Okay, intel is when somebody else is going to do something and you find out about it. All right? Intel is not when I'm sitting here conspiring with other people to do bad things. That's not intel. Oh, well, yeah, the government knows about it. Yeah, because the government's planning it. It's not intel. Come on. And they do have a tendency to keep secrets. But, you see, when they buy things, at least through normal channels, you know, not guns and things like that where they just sell opium and then go buy, you know, guns with it so they can give it to, you know, their mercenary forces all around the world. They, yeah, that, that you can't really track that real easily. But when they go through the regular process, it's easy to track because, hey, they got a they got 50 miles of paperwork if they want to buy a pencil. So, you know, of special interest to anyone who like to don the tinfoil and try to figure out what may be coming down the pipe are the actions of FEMA, the agency which, in ch is, which is in charge of managing emergencies here in the United States. <laughs> okay, again, let me make a correction. That's not FEMA's role to manage emergencies in the U.S. Okay, I know we all think it is, but when you really go and look and you find out what FEMA's real deal is, it is not to manage emergencies in the United States. It is to ensure the continuance of government. All right? Go read their paperwork. You'll find out they ain't got squat to do with managing nothing except keeping that government working. They don't care if every American gets killed. That government has to survive. That's FEMA's role. This is why they're so crappy at managing emergencies, because it's just a cover story. You think Guido running the prostitution ring in a gambling casino in the back of the dry cleaner? You think he was a good dry cleaner? Really? You think if you walked into Guido's place and said, Hey, Guido, do you think you can get this stain out of my uh, pants here? He tell you, get out of here. We don't take no stinking stains out. Get out. Yeah, because it's just a front, okay, for an illegal business. 
That's what FEMA is. Oh, yeah, we manage emergencies. We gosh, you're pretty crappy at it because every emergency we've ever had, you've screwed it up. How, how's that if this is your job? Because it's not their job. It's their cover story. A few days ago, FEMA put out a solicitation for 5 million bottles of water to be delivered within two days. It said they had an urgent requirement for this water. Wow, really? And it must be delivered in half or one liter bottles only. Gee. Delivery location, ISB Maxwell Air Force Base, 55 LeMay Plaza, Montgomery, Alabama. That's where the water will be delivered. So anybody in Montgomery, Alabama, head on down to 55 LeMay Plaza. You should see some trucks of water flowing in there around, let's see, from 1,300 to 2,000. That's the time. That, that I guess that'd be 1 p.m. to whenever... Uh, you know, seven hours later. That's when it's getting delivered. Gee, that sounds like a heck of an emergency and one that might be approaching quite rapidly, soliciting a supplier to deliver 5 million bottles of water within 48 hours' notice. Doesn't seem to be the normal way of doing business, does it? And why are the trucks to be left there for 30 days? See, I left that part out. All trailers are required to be dropped at the delivery location for up to 30 days. Okay, you get it? So, not only are they buying the water, they're basically renting the trucks for another 30 days to sit there with the water in it. Hmm, what does that sound like to me? That sounds like to me that they are either going to distribute it out from that part in those trailers, or they're going to just open up those trailers right there and distribute water from the from where they're at. Well, who knows? What do you think's going on, folks? It's certainly, you know, interesting, right? I mean, I think it's interesting. I think it's a little odd. All right, let's see what else. Rutgers. I tell you, Rutgers University has just, you know, it's another place that should just be burned to the ground. This Rutgers, by the way, is basically New Jersey's state college. You know, out here in Oregon, we call it, uh, you know, Oregon State or, uh, you know, uh, Oregon Oregon State or State of Oregon University. Uh, one's the Beavers, one's the Ducks. But, you know, it's got Oregon in it. But New Jersey's an older state, so... You know, back in the day, Rutgers didn't start off as a public school, and uh, now it is. It's the New Jersey, basically, New Jersey's state college. Here's what they say. Speak only when necessary to avoid microaggressions. Microaggressions, folks. What a bunch of BS. You know, students in at least one Rutgers University resident hall are being encouraged to use only language that is helpful and necessary to avoid committing microaggressions. The display, which is part of the school's Language Matters campaign. Yeah, language doesn't matter. 
folks. You know what? Do you realize what college is becoming? These children that go to college, when they graduate, they have no skills. Okay? They are not qualified to do even an entry-level job at a mid-range corporation. You understand that? So what are they spending four years doing? Well, they're doing crap like this. Teaching them, oh, got to watch what you say. Oh, got to watch those microaggressions. Oh, got to only speak when it's absolutely necessary. So what are we going to end up with with college students? A bunch of zombies who have no opinion, who are afraid to say anything about anything, and just walk around, what, looking for Pokemon? Is that it? And you're going to get $50,000 in debt in order to get this brainwashing? You know what, folks? It's time to stop sending your children to college and start sending them to a trade school. Start sending them somewhere where they can learn to be an electrician or a plumber or a builder or an architect or a machinist. Because you know what? When this society collapses, that's who we're going to need, not a bunch of business majors. You know what they're going to be? They're going to be killed is what they're going to be. Because you know why? Because people are going to figure out it was the business majors that ran this whole thing into the ground. Okay? It's the educated paper pushers that destroyed our civilization. That's what people are going to figure out once they're living in cardboard boxes. Send them to medical school. Send them to nursing school. Look, I don't agree with the allopathic way of doing things, but they do teach you trauma. And we're going to need those people, too, because there's going to be a lot of trauma. This just makes me sick. The board warns students that failing to follow these guidelines could lead them to commit a microaggression, which include micro-assaults, micro-insults, and micro-invalidations. The education system has gone completely insane, folks. I, I urge you all, okay, I urge you all now. This is an article for today for Rutgers University, and I'm sure they're not the only one. I urge you to go online right now. Go online and look up the book Psychopolitics. I forget the guy's first name, but his last name is Beria, B-E-R-I-A. He was a communist back in Lenin's day. you got to read that book. It's very short. It's a little book. Bigger than a pamphlet, but it's, it's a little book. It's not big. And it's a quick read because <laughs> you'll be interested, believe me. Read that. You'll understand a couple of things. For one, you'll understand they've been at this a long time. Two, you'll understand this whole BS that they're doing at the colleges is all part of the communist worldwide revolution. Okay? You'll also realize that they are doing it now in the colleges, in the public schools. Okay? They can't change your mind because you've got a mind. And you'll say, micro micro-invalidations? What in the hell does that even mean? I can't invalidate anybody. You either are or you aren't, man. Oh, yeah, if you come and tell me, uh, oh, hi, I'm a girl, and you got a swinging 
dong down there, I'm going to say, no, you're not. Oh, I just invalidated you. Well, good, because you're a lying, stinking freak. You need to be invalidated. Meanwhile, U.S. manufacturing shrinks as orders and production plunge. Hey, what happened to that recovery we keep hearing about all over the news? Oh, hey, look, the economy's doing great. Oh, we're in a recovery. Boy, things are really picking up. Look at this. Yeah, look at what? Look at the stock market. That's all we ever look at is the stock market. What about this? Manufacturing unexpectedly. Oh, really? Why is this unexpected? Unexpectedly? It's not unexpectedly. Everybody knows the economy is dying. That's like saying, well, you know, the 104-year-old unexpectedly died in his sleep. Oh, really? Unexpectedly, huh? He's 104 years old. Nobody was expecting he'd die sometime soon? Really? Hit an unexpectedly rough patch in the U.S. last month. If it remains stuck, it would, again, be up to American consumers to drive economic growth. Yeah, right. Get out there and spend money you don't have on crap you don't need. That's what the government's advice to the American people is. Spend the money you don't have on crap you don't need. Boy, that's great advice, huh? huh. Oh, and don't forget the duct tape and plastic. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so we got that going on. I'm not going to go into the details. Uh, you know, maybe financial survival, we'll touch on that. But, you know, I, all you need to really know is that this is what's happening. Uh, indicators. Get ready, folks. You know, I'm only telling you this because my major message here is for you to get prepared. Okay? Oh, yeah, I want to inform you. I want you to know what's going on. I've got my opinion that I like to share. But the main thing is I want you to get the message to start preparing yourself, your family. Okay? Look, for instance, and, and, and then once you're prepared, maybe you can do something to help the people around you. But I want you to think, and I want you to be careful, because... Helping the people around you, it, it's only a viable thing if it doesn't hurt you. Okay? Oh, sure, now and again, it's, it's nice to make a sacrifice to help somebody else. But you can't make a habit of it because if you keep doing that, then you will end up in the same situation as the people you're trying to help. Then what? Okay? For instance. You know, I, I do what I do to prepare for myself. But I also, my next project around here is to set up a little incubator. Well, not a little incubator. I'm going to make an incubator for chicken eggs because I got a lot of chickens. I got roosters. We got chicks, you know. Even in a, in a situation where we're really not set up real well to, to deal with chicks among the general population of chickens because... Uh, well, they tend to eat them. You might not know that about chickens, but they're kind of cannibalistic. Yeah, <laughs> it's, not, it's not a pleasant thing, but it's a fact, and you need to know about that if you're going to do chickens. But, you know, my plan is to get an incubator going and hatch these uh, chicks so I can, you know, sell them. I'm not going to give them away. 
Because there has to be value attached to everything. I, I learned that lesson. But I'm going to sell them cheaper than, you know, you can get them anywhere else. And I'm only going to sell them to my neighbors. And the, the reason is because, see, it's that whole teach a man to fish thing. Now, I could just get tons of chickens and, you know, get lots of eggs and then start selling my neighbor's eggs. Okay? Oh, and that's a return business because, hey, they got to eat every day so they'll be back for more eggs and I'll make more whatever it is they're trading for. But you know what? I'm not doing this to get to business of, uh, you know, selling eggs and chickens and stuff. I would rather have, I, w- I want to sell them chicks so they can have chickens, so they can have their own eggs. Okay? Teach a man to fish, that whole idea. Okay, look, don't buy eggs from me. Here's some chicks. Get your own eggs. Because, you see, if my neighbors are not starving, that's better for me. And I'm telling you, folks, if your neighbors are not starving, it's better for you, too. And that doesn't hurt me at all, because I got my own chickens, I got my own eggs, and I've got excess chicks. So here they are. Go take them. Raise your own chickens. Be happy. Be full. That's why I bring this stuff to you, folks, is because you need to get serious about getting prepared. And if you haven't done anything yet, well, don't worry. I mean, actually, you should be a little concerned, but it's not hopeless yet. Okay, a lot of people, I've heard people tell me, they, they tell me that, well, oh, man, I can't afford to prepare. You can't afford to prepare. Really? Really? So you don't have a spare 10 bucks ever? Well, yeah, but, you know, what can I do for 10 bucks? Well, you know what? For 10 bucks, you can get a 20-pound bag of rice on a normal day. A couple of weeks ago, me and Melissa went to a place called Cash and Carry, and we got a deal on a 50-pound bag of Texas rice for $14, folks. 50 pounds for $14. You can't afford to prepare? Really? I don't believe you. Okay? While you're sitting there with a beer in the hand, sucking down a cigarette that, you know, is $6 a pack, $7 a six-pack, you know, I mean, hey. Well, okay, maybe $4 a six-pack if you're drinking crap Budweiser or something. But, you know, the thing is, hey, wait a minute, there's a bag of rice right there. Oh, but you can't afford to prepare, but you can afford to smoke and drink and go out to movies, and go out to dinner, and go out to this, and go spend money on that, blah, blah, blah. But you ain't got the money. No, you ain't got the priorities. You see, because I don't believe that from anybody. Now, okay, a homeless guy, I get. He might not say, well, I never have 10 bucks, because even homeless people have 10 bucks from time to time. But the thing is, I can understand a homeless guy saying, man, I can't be carrying around a 20-pound bag of rice. I have no way to cook it even. I get that. But most people are not in that situation. So get with it, folks. Or, you know what? Don't expect anybody to help you. I mean, honestly, because if you're sitting there empty-handed when this happens, it's your own fault. And you know what else? Don't keep this to yourself. I mean, who's going to tell you, oh, you're one of them nuts, huh? Yeah, yeah, I'm one of them nuts that realize that no matter what, I'm going to want to keep eating. Okay? 
I don't care if the electricity goes out. I don't care if the volcanoes all explode. I don't care if tidal waves come over the, you know, the whole East Coast and West Coast. I'm, if I'm alive, I'm still going to want to be eating. So why would anybody think it's crazy for somebody to put away food in case of an emergency because, well, oh, no, see, if something bad happens, I'm just going to give up that whole eating thing. Really? Again, okay, I don't believe you. Get this. Let's move on here. Do a little Hillary Clinton. Uh, you know, every day there's a Hillary Clinton, you know, corruption story. I mean, it just never stops, okay? And I'm not, I'm not drawing a line between Bill and Hillary because they're a team. Oh, I didn't say that. Okay, this is not my idea that Bill and Hillary are a team, all right? I'm just going on what Bill Clinton told everybody. He said his favorite campaign slogan is buy one, get one free. Yeah. So they're a team. He said so. Erickson. Now, you've heard of Erickson on the Monday night show with Dean Lauren. Pays Bill Clinton $750,000 for a speech. And then wins Iran's sanctions exemption. I'm sure that's just a coincidence. According to the Republican presidential uh, candidate, the Obama administration excluded the telecom giant Erickson from sanctions against Iran after Erickson paid former U.S. President Bill Clinton $750,000 for a speech. Trump says, I wonder why. Yeah, I wonder why. I don't wonder why. I know why. I, I pretty much get it. Oh, here's something else before break. The Army. You heard the the story of the Pentagon. You know, everybody's over there using their, to, a, to the tune of 5,000 charges and a million dollars, okay, on their work credit cards that they're supposed to use for, well, work at strip clubs and casinos, right? That's what the Pentagon's doing. Now the Army says, well... We're not going to suspend contracts with Al-Qaeda-tied companies. Really? You have contracts with Al-Qaeda-tied... What in the hell are you buying from an Al-Qaeda-tied company that you trust our troops to be using? Really? So you're buying crap from our enemies for our troops to use, and you think that's okay, and you're not going to cancel those contracts, and you know why? Because of due process rights. Oh, really? Due process rights? Oh, I guess everybody's entitled to due process rights except, oh, if you're a soldier in the military. Because if you think that the uh, Uniform Code of Military Justice constitutes any kind of due process recognizable in any free society, you're wrong, okay? You go to a military court-martial... It's a kangaroo rubber stamp court, folks. There ain't no due process in the United States military. They can say anything they want, but I'm sorry. I've seen it with my own eyes. Now, I've never been through a court martial, but I've been through a, a, a few Article 15 uh, 
ceremonies, but, uh, you know, and that's really all they are, ceremonies, because, you know, they've already made up their mind, they're going to do what they're going to do, and nothing you say can change it, and that's the military, folks, so for them to say, oh, we can't cancel these contracts with Al-Qaeda companies, because the due process rights is disingenuous, and they're a bunch of liars, which should not come as a big surprise. We're going to take a break, we'll be back in a bit. from if the power is out for an extended period of time, I'd like to suggest Numana Foods, a family-owned business with a passion for food quality and taste, as well as long-term storage reliability. Numana.com. Check them out for your family's health and security. Food so good tasting and good for you, it can be eaten every day. Standard buckets are GMO-free, contain no aspartame, high fructose corn syrup, autolyzed yeast extract, chemical preservatives, or soy. You can be confident your Numana meals will be there for you and your family when you need them during an emergency. Numana.com, a nutritionally healthy way to prepare for any disaster. That's Numana.com. N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com.
is their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water.
back. That was Leonard Skinner. Haven't played that one for a long time. Kind of messed up the break there a little bit. Things got a little uh, out of order, but uh, we we recovered. First song was the Yardbirds. I'm not talking. Anyway, those were the songs, and uh, we're back. This is the Frank Report. It's Thursday, September 1st. Yeah, that's right. August bites the dust. We're into September. Next thing you'll know, it'll be winter, and it's 1243 right now. Well, or a little after, but... If all that's pretty close to true where you're at, we are live, 800-932-1980. You can call in, you can get on the show, you can be on the air. Or if you don't want to do that, you can still participate by going to our website, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. And you don't even have to really participate in the show. You can just go in there and socialize with the other folks in the chat room. And you don't even have to do any of that. You can just listen. Oh, by the way, we are broadcasting on YouTube. Uh, simulcasting on YouTube. Uh, I don't have the, um, you know, I don't have, listen, I, I've got to do this when I'm, uh, this weekend, I've got to send out a uh, a notice to everybody in our uh, Yahoo group, if that still works. <laughs> I'm going to send out everything on on my email list to everybody to go and subscribe Okay, look, I don't care how many subscribers we have to our YouTube page, but here's the deal. Here's why I'm asking at least 50 of you to subscribe, okay? The reason why is not because I care, and once we get to 50, I don't care if another person subscribes. I just want people to watch, that's all. You don't have to subscribe to watch, but I'd like you to subscribe because here's why. YouTube has this deal where if you've got 50 or more subscribers, they'll give you a nice easy name, you know, a nice easy address for your YouTube channel versus this, you know, youtube.com slash 59642, you know, and, and it goes on for a mile, X5935, you know, and it keeps going, right? And unless you can actually, you know, send that to somebody that they can click on, they're never going to be able to remember that. But if you got 50 or more subscribers, they'll let you have a, you know, a, a nice easy name like, you know, youtube.com slash AVRN, you know, something like that. That'd be a lot better. So, uh, you know, get on over there and subscribe. And it is AVRN Live, okay? If you go to AVR, just search AVRN Live on YouTube, it does come up. And that'll help us out. You can do that. And, you know, I mean, if all the listeners do it, then I won't have to send out any emails. But if uh, we don't get 50 by, you know, the end of today, that's what I'm going to do. Because I think that would be better to have a uh, an easier name to, you know, get people to go there. Okay. Anyway. So anyway, yeah, we are uh, simulcasting on YouTube. Now, nobody's actually doing any live videos. Like, for instance, if you go there, you're going to see my archive page. And that's what I do. When people are on, I do archi- their archive page, which has their picture and the name of their show. And if it's a repeat, then I just put up a picture of, uh, well, what I have up there before, koala bear. <laughs> you know, but anyway, so... That's how it's going, and that's where we're moving towards. And, uh, you know, hopefully someday, uh, well, and I don't care. I've never been a big fan of talking head videos, but uh, people like them. And, you know, as hosts get 
familiar with it, you know, you can start off with a talking head thing. But, you know, on, uh, like, if you're on Skype doing this, you know, you can sit there and switch between your webcam and your desktop. So if you're doing an article, right, or, you know, some of these times when you want to show a graph or something like that, you can just put it on your screen and flip over to that and show people. You know, so once hosts get familiar and comfortable with it, they, they'll be able to do stuff like that, too. And, you know, that'll make it better. That'll make it uh, more interesting, more interactive, more educational. You'll be able to get things better because a lot of times a graph helps. Ask, you know, Ross Perot. <laughs> he liked graphs. Anyway. All right, here we go. California lawmakers okay a bill for penalizing companies that dun, 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 boycott Israel. That's right. So no free association in California anymore. No, no, you have to do business with people you don't want to do business with if you want to do business in California. You know, that is that is crazy. Companies who choose to boycott Israel would be accused of being in violation of the state's civil rights law and would not be permitted to accept a California government contract of $100,000 or more. Civil rights? That applies to business? So there's a civil right to do business? You have a civil right to buy things from me even if I don't want to sell them to you? Oh, it's my right to buy from you. No, it isn't. Not if I don't want to sell it to you. What the hell happened to the country of I reserve the right to refuse service to anyone? What happened to that? Where did that go? Look, I'm all for laws that say, listen, you can't throw rocks at people, uh, you know, because you don't like them. Oh, wait, we already have laws like that, don't we? We've always had laws like that, haven't we? You're never been allowed to just start tossing rocks at people you don't like. And you know what? It doesn't matter why you like them or not like them. Oh, I don't like you because I just don't like you. You're a jerk. You're still not allowed to throw rocks at them, just as much as you're not allowed to throw rocks at them because, well, I don't like the color of your skin. I don't like the language you're talking. You're just not allowed to throw rocks at people for, for reasons like that. You don't have to have special laws saying, well, you're not allowed to, you know, because, uh, well, if you throw rocks at people because of the color of their skin, you're going to go to jail for five times the amount of time uh, throwing rocks at people just because you're a jerk. What? Wait a minute. I don't think anybody who gets hit by those rocks really cares why you're throwing rocks at them. Oh, they might say they do. Oh, really? And you you care about that with a big gash in your head with your skull cracked open from a rock? You really care why they did it? I don't know. Maybe I'm just odd that way because, you know what? You start smashing my head in with a crowbar. I really don't care why you're doing it. You have to stop. I don't care why. It's just, it's insane, man. It's just, it's. The world's gone mad, folks, and you, you, they, you see these public schools. 
And you understand why, because these people are being let out into the wild after they get out of these concentration, you know, mind-washing camps called public school. And uh, this is the kind of crap they come up with. Now, here is something that you should, you know, listen, financial survival tells you this on a regular basis. I tell you this on a less regular basis, but still. Gold and silver is like an insurance policy of your wealth. It is a protection for you, but it is only a protection if you take physical possession of the gold and silver. And that doesn't mean, oh, yeah, physical. You know, people are, again, it, I, I can only blame it on the public schools because it's either that or mass insanity. I don't know what it is because... You know, when somebody says, yeah, okay, look, uh, cash only, and they pull out their checkbook and they start writing a check, and you go, wait a minute, what are you doing? I said cash only. Well, this is like cash. Yeah, but it isn't cash. Cash only. People are just, you know, has that ever happened to you? It's happened to me lots of times. No, cash only means cash only. Go write yourself a little check. Drag your own butt down to your own bank. Go cash it and give me the cash. I don't want your check, your promise. I'll take those other promises from the Federal Reserve instead. But the thing is, hey, people think, well, oh, yeah, 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 physical uh, uh, delivery. That's right. I got got five ounces of gold. Where is it? Oh, well, I've got the, look, here's my certificate here for it. You didn't take physical possession. Yeah, I did. Look. Here's my certificate. I got it right here. See, people don't think. What I'm saying, folks, is one ounce of gold in your hand, not a piece of paper saying somebody else is holding this piece of gold for you. And you want to know why? Here's why. And you think dealing with little jerkwater companies out there that that's okay? Oh, they issued me this. Look, they've got my gold for me. They'll promise to give it to me when I give them that. Yeah, sure they are. Okay, let's look at some big business. How about Deutsche Bank? Deutsche Bank's pretty big business, isn't it? Well, while the trading world was focused on the latest news involving Deutsche Bank, namely the troubled German bank, had been contemplating a merger with Germany's other mega bank, Commerce Bank, as part of a strategy to sell all or part of a key business to speed up its uh, flagging overhaul, a more troubling report emerged in a German gold analysis website, according to which Deutsche Bank was unable to satisfy a gold delivery request when asked to do so by a client of Germany's uh, XETRA gold service. But first, what is that? According to its website, the publicly traded company provides investors with an efficient instrument to participate in the performance of the gold market. Uh, Extras, gold's combination of features, cost-efficient trading, and the right for physical delivery of gold makes it an attractive product. In other words, folks, they're selling certificates, okay? And when you say, okay, I want to cash in my certificate, they go, okay, and then they go to Deutsche Bank, and the Deutsche Bank tells them, hey, screw off, we ain't giving you no gold. Yeah, okay. Uh, let's 
the company makes promises, redemption for gold, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you can go to any of these sites, and they all make the same promises. Oh, we promise. If you give us that certificate, we promise we'll send you that gold within this amount of time. We, Honest to goodness, we'll really do it. Uh-huh. Yeah. But Deutsche Bank is involved as the fund's designated sponsor. In other words, extra gold is an exchange-traded commodity which differentiates itself by representing that every gram of gold purchased electronically is backed by the same amount of physical gold. And its principal bank is none other than the Deutsche Bank. And with Germans recently rushing to buy safes or find sound money alternatives in a country where the interest rate is negative, the ETC, it is not surprising that the population has flocked to its offering. The gold held in custody by Deutsche Börse commodities for the purpose of physical backing of extra gold bond has risen to a new record highs of 90.67 tons, an increase of more than 50% since the beginning of the year. For each extra gold bond, exactly one gram of gold is deposited in the central vaults for German securities in Frankfurt, the report parrots the company's website. Well... In September 2015, the uh, the German Federal Fiscal Court had ruled that after a minimum holding period, any profits from the sale or redemption of extra gold are not subject to capital gains tax. Okay. But now something's changed. As Oliver Barton uh, reports, those who ask for gold delivery at this moment could encounter difficulties. The reason is that according to Barton, Barron, a reader of God Mode Trader sought physical delivery of his holdings at extra gold. For this, he approached, as instructed by the German Bourse document, his principal bank, Deutsche Bank. At that point, then he encountered a big surprise. The Deutsche Bank account executive informed the investor that the service is no longer offered, namely exercising physical delivery at extra gold for reasons of business policy, and therefore the order form provided by Clearstream Banking AG for exercising extra gold is no longer available. In other words, yeah, we got all your gold on the promise that we would give it back to you, but now we've changed our policy, so we're stealing all your gold because we wrote it down and it's okay. Uh-huh. Uh, Baron writes that since Deutsche Bank is no longer serving the physical exercising of delivery request of extra gold is remarkable as Deutsche Bank is the designated sponsor as well as fiscal principal and redemption agent of extra gold according to its prospectus and as the explainer of how to exercise physical delivery also reveals even if one is a customer of another bank Extra Gold should, at least on paper, guarantee delivery by way of Deutsche Bank. As the Deutsche Bourse Commodities, GMBH, explains it in its process description for exercising units. But it's not happening. So, folks, I'm telling you, if, if you do have extra wealth, you know, and this is assuming that you know, listen, you've already got food and water and medicine. and You're set, right? You know, you're pretty well set, and you're, you, 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 you're comfortable in your preparation, and you still got this pile of money, whether it's your retirement or, or savings or whatever it is, man. You got this other pile of money, and, and you're feeling good about your preparation. 
You should get gold and silver, but you must, 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 must take physical delivery. Never, 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 never take a certificate instead. Okay? Because this is what can happen. They can just say, oh, we changed our policy. We're no longer doing that. But it's okay because we wrote it down. It doesn't matter if we had a contract. It doesn't matter if we promised it to you. It doesn't matter because we wrote it down. We changed our minds. We have a policy. Look, right here it is. We wrote it down. Uh Uh-huh. And you're screwed out of your wealth. Anyway, I got to go. I'll be back again tonight. Coming up next is financial survival. And as always, thanks for listening. religious and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. gentlemen, I'm Melody Cedarstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival. I'm here with my co-host, Alfred Addisk, to bring you our opinion and commentary on today's economic and political events for Thursday, September 1st, 2015.
2016. You know what I'm going to say, Al? Now is it April Fool's again? No, it's the first, but it's not April. I can't believe it's September 1st. It was just like yesterday I said, I can't believe it's August 1st. I have to say that the first day of every month because this year is just screaming by. It's just unbelievable. And, uh, hey, just, uh, what, two more months and we have the election. So, exciting, exciting. Yeah, then we'll have something to really remember then one we'll way or to, another. This we'll is going to be a couple of months from now. Oh, yeah. It, it's like the Kennedy assassination. <laughs> if your people were alive there, you know where you were when it happened. I was in fourth right? grade. This election is going to be the same thing. You're going to know where you were when the results of this ad, when, when the results of this election become apparent and official. Where were you, Al? I was in, I was in uh, first semester of college. University of Illinois, and I was out playing football. I I just in... we had a game, and I remember it. I remember it very clearly. We were playing football in the rain. Uh, understand? And the mud in the rain. It was kind of a cold, wet. Of course, it was wet, but cold rain. And there were probably you know, about a dozen of us playing all together, six on a side, something like that. It was really a wonderful time. And well, let me blah, blah, blah. now, do I get a chance to say where I was at? Anna? No. No, no, no. Are you done? <laughs> you asked me. I was in fourth grade. Give you a little local color along with the description. I could have given you the GPS number, I suppose. Told you exactly where I was. No, it's my turn. You're waiting? No, it's your turn. All right, give I us was, the GPS. Are you going to listen? No. You don't anyway. I was in fourth grade. It was recess time. I was a teacher's pet, so I was allowed to stay in from recess, and I helped her um, clean the chalkboards and so forth. Her name was Mrs. Mildred Meinzler, and I can remember the janitor came in, and he told us uh, what had happened, and they uh, suspended recess. Uh, the the rest of the classes came in, elementary classes came in. Uh, they told us what happened, and uh, they closed. Uh, they they sent everybody home. So, I can remember how bizarre it seemed at the time. I thought there was some sort of a revolution taking place because the initial reports indicated that uh, LBJ had been shot. They thought he'd been shot, although it was only in the wrist. And there was another one where, of course, Governor of Texas uh, had been shot. Uh, he took. He, he actually was shot, and I assumed that these people were all in three different locations. I thought the president was one place, and the vice president, Lyndon Baines Johnson, was another one, and Governor of Texas was certainly down in Texas. I didn't realize they were all essentially in the just in two two consecutive cars. And I thought, oh my God, there's a revolution going on in the whole country. That's because you were in Iowa or no, thereabouts, I was in Illinois. thereabouts, Illinois, but. Um... We knew. We didn't have that type of, uh, I mean, we kind of knew, but everybody thought he was still alive. You know, they, we knew he was Well, hot, yeah, but, they were hauling know, they, they were bringing him yeah. to the hospital yeah. and the rest of that sort of thing, yeah. and there was hope that he was, but that was, I mean, now I he's that was now just, he's living with Elvis. But anyway, let's get with Elvis. <laughs> let's get to the market report today. Soon, soon he'll be living with Bill. <laughs> and they will say, there goes the neighborhood. Yeah. Let's go ahead and take a look at gold today. Gold was $1,314, up 470 Silver was up 23 cents today at 1895 Platinum was down 5 
at 1,050. That's an incredible spread, folks. I still got uh, just, I think I got one or two of those platinum. Uh, well, I can always get you more. And they just recently released uh, those one ounce uh, platinum eagles uh, that the U.S. Mint started making again. Those are going to be running a little over $100 over spot. But I have some platinum bars at a really good price for you. And uh, that's a significant spread between gold and platinum. So if you already have your gold and silver and you want to add a little bit of platinum, give us a call. 1-800-375-4188. Palladium was down 7 at $668. And the... USDX today, down 0.37 at 95.64. Crude oil was down 118 at 43.52. And the paper markets today of the Dow, basically, and none of them basically moved today. The Dow, 18,399. The S&P, 2,168. The NASDAQ was up 7 at 52.20. That was uh, up the most. Uh, the S&P was down 2, and the Dow was down 1. Whole 1. And um, if I'm able to get to my other screen, I will tell you what the 10-year yield has done. My computer has been running really, really, really slow today. I don't know if there's... Um, Southern Florida, we have lots of clients in Florida. The East Coast is expected um, hurricane or, or tropical storm Hermine. And um, so um, a lot of things are going on. You have the 10-year yield, 1.57. That's the same as yesterday. Euro, 112, and that was up 0.38. Both Germany and London were down over 1%. Asian markets basically unchanged. So, but uh, so yes, our listeners, if you're listening, if you don't, if you're inside and don't have anything else to do because of that uh, uh, tropical storm hurricane um, that you're receiving, uh, be safe. And it's a holiday weekend, and uh, so many people will be on the road on the eastern shore. So just be safe as you do your travels. Got an article from Zero Hedge which I'm going to bring to your attention because it was just mm -hmm. yesterday or the day before, I don't recall which, when I was talking about the November election and how it might not only decide whether, whether Hillary wins or Trump wins, but it may decide the future of mainstream media because mainstream media is profoundly slanted in favor of Hillary Clinton and uh, the only place you might be able to get something like the truth, not the only place, but predominantly, and not, there's lies on the Internet, but there's also some truth there if you care to dig it out and look for it. Uh, this may determine, I was speculating, that this, this election may have a lot to do with the future of mainstream media. And here's an article from Zero Hedge that I saw today, and it said mainstream media admits it may never recover from the 2016 election. That's the headline. In a revealing statement that flew largely under the radar earlier this month, the mainstream media admit, admitted that it would never recover from its irresponsible and negligent coverage of the 2016 presidential election. 
A recent column published in the New York Post referred to the media's reporting as, quote, the complete collapse of American journalism as we know it. Um, by torching its remaining credibility and, and service of Clinton, the mainstream media's reputation will likely never recover. Or will the standards? No future producer, editor, reporter, or anchor can be expected to meet the test of fairness uh, when that standard has been trashed in such willful and blatant fashion. So my point is, I'm just trying to try not to break my arm while I pat myself on the back, but I'm just saying, uh-huh. Yeah. I saw that. I saw that. I, I made a few comments about it. And here we have one article from Zero Hedges that said, yeah, buddy. Mainstream media is in trouble. So, hooray for me, Melody. Mm. Mm. What else, Melody? I think you know, and uh, you know, I, I think once uh, Donald Trump is no longer president, I think he, I think, uh, no longer president. Well, when he's there, eight, twelve, eight, or you know, when he's eight gone years, in eight four years, years, yeah, mm. four years or eight years, uh, I think the media will be one place that he becomes involved in, probably. But anyway. Um, we all know that he had his uh, meeting in Mexico. Uh-huh. Um, you know, there's about $25 billion that flows to Mexico uh, because of the citizens that live overseas, and almost all of that is from the U.S. That number is even higher than what Mexico actually earns from its oil exports. The average remittance in June was $300. Uh, which, when multiplied by the number of Mexican workers abroad, totals the billions of dollars each year, and uh, that's a that's a pretty hefty pretty hefty number. Remittances are even expected to top 28 billion this year, and all that money is dependent on a border that allows people to cross. And of course, uh, um, you know we know how important it is to stop that border uh, and get these folks uh, legal. So I think that was. Um, and where did I? Mexico is the world's 12th largest exporter and a major auto manufacturer. It collected about 23 billion from exporting oil last year. And uh, so again, you can see how they collected how many billion by exporting illegal aliens? 20, 25, 28. Mm-hmm. 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 See, there's more money in, in exporting illegal aliens than there is in exporting automobiles. Oil. There's or, excuse me, yeah. oil. Yep. Some kind of a lesson there. I don't know how we factor that into economics, but I'm sure Janet Yellen can ex- can include that in her calculations one way or another. Um, Trump made that surprise visit to Mexico, and an article at Yahoo News, which is pretty virulent in its opposition to Trump, says Trump's surprise visit to Mexico threatens to overshadow immigration speech. Uh, there's always a there's always a uh, a gray lining. Uh, and in Yahoo's news is I don't I don't care what Trump does they'll find something negative to say about it, but there were people who were concerned. I thought it was I thought going down there we talked about it yesterday. I thought it indicated he was behaving in a way that appeared to be presidential. It has since he's received a certain amount of criticism, um, mainly from Mexico, that they didn't like what he had to say. I think it's working. There's people are saying, oh, he's going to learn to lose the Mexican vote in this country. Well, he's our, I mean, he can't claim much of that anyway. But it reaffirms that he is not softening his immigration stance. If the president of Mexico and other people in Mexico that are saying, hey, you know, 
The guy's an idiot. A lot of people in this country say, yay, yay. Yeah, but the thing of it is, I don't think it really matters who this country elects as president. Now, I'm not saying this negative against Trump or anything. Any foreign leader knows what they get from the U.S. And they're going to do whatever they have to do to embrace whoever's the new president. Mm. So Trump did know going down there that he wouldn't be rejected from, you know, because if he does become president, you know, there still has to be Mexico gets a lot from the U.S. and they can't, you know, they're going to accept whatever's given to them so they can keep taking. And so... You know, there was no reason why they wouldn't accept uh, Trump in a negative manner. What he has, but they didn't right now. And what I'm trying to say is what that's done. Some people think that Trump has been softening his stance on immigration, and it's disappointing to Trump supporters who started out because Trump said he's going to build a wall. Well, maybe he is and maybe he's not. But judging from what we heard out of former President Vincente Fox and the current President Nieto, uh, it appears Mexico said that guy's crazy. Yeah, but we got to leave the board. We can't have a wall. We're not going to pay for any wall. And all that's going to do is a lot of people are reassured. And they're saying, no, Trump is not going soft on immigration. He's still, he's, he's going to make the Mexicans mad. Well, that's going to encourage his supporters in this country. And that's my point. Well, yeah. And, and you know, and that's, uh, you know, a point he made. And, you know, he did well. But, yeah, Mexico still going to, would have still embraced. They, they weren't going to tell him no. And so he was able to accomplish what he wanted to accomplish. But, you know, you have to see, look at things differently to understand what's going on. We got a couple of articles on Deutsche Bank. Um, G20 meetings uh, is meeting this week and and top executives, uh, the Deutsches Bank's uh, top executives, they're also um, will this weekend consider speeding up cuts at the uh, Germany's biggest lender. Uh, which is grappling with sliding revenue. And, of course, the negative interest rates doesn't help. Uh, this article is from Reuters. Sources have told Reuters today. The gathering takes uh, place amid speculation over the future of the bank. And uh, we all know it was once a very powerful international player, and uh, but they have lost trillions of dollars. Uh, the two biggest lenders in Europe's biggest economy uh, Deutsche Bank and Commerce Bank, um, both of them have had their, uh, their ratings slip. And uh, there's even a possibility that maybe after they get restructured, which what does restructured mean? <laughs> it means that the people they owe money to aren't going to get it. <laughs> yes. It's a polite way of saying they're bankrupt, but we're not going to admit they're bankrupt. We're just going to restructure the debt. <laughs> Which means if they owe you a million dollars, how does five hundred thousand sound to you? Yeah. So once that's done, there was possible discussions discussions of perhaps a merger, but some say that's not likely. But we'll see. But last year, Deutsche Bank announced plans to slash fifteen thousand jobs and shed businesses, employing some twenty thousand staff. Their assets were down to $1.8 trillion at the end of the quarter from $2.2 trillion at the end of 2008. Um, so they're certainly having their difficulties. But uh, um, they're just Deutsche barely hanging on. Fail? Pardon? Is Deutsche Bank too big to fail? You know what? I, 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 it depends if they need a scapegoat or not. You know, if they might just let it slip in order to start the the process. Um, 
the question, what the, the implication of the question is, is the German government shoring up Deutsche Bank? I mean, everything you hear about Deutsche That's Bank is it's technically bankrupt. But is the government saving them right now? Or is the government just saying, well, you know, better you than me? Well, no, that's the point. If they, it depends on how they need to use them. If they need to use them in a way that uh, uh, they, they need some sort of distraction or an excuse or whatever, they'll let it fail. If, if, you know, if it behooves that, it, you know, if they continue to um, make their dollars off of them, they'll save them. So, and, but uh, certainly I don't think Deutsche Bank is, you know, I, I I would put Deutsche Bank what on the same level as Lehman Brothers. Corruption. Well, the Lehman corruption Brothers. They just Lehman, haven't pulled yeah. the plug on they them yet. Haven't pulled the plug yet, and uh, but they've got an artificial heart going right now, and one thing or another like that. But uh, they have more in common with Lehman Brothers than they do with a viable financial institution. And then we're going to talk about gold and gold? Deutsche Bank. Well, we are, but we won't. We won't start that until we return from our break. Because That's a teaser for the listeners. Uh-huh. Gold and Deutsche Bank. Uh huh. Uh-huh. That's a teaser. It's a teaser. Okay, we need we need another twenty five seconds of tease right oh. now, Melody. <laughs> well, Frank can go early. All right, Frank, are you it's ready to rock and or roll? He does pay attention. I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival. We'll be back in a moment. Please stay tuned. heart condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it, It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. 
4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. I'm Alfred Adisk here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival, brought to you by Discount Gold and Silver. What's next, Melody? Well, normally we have James Corbett, and uh, everyone knows that he takes a break every other week because of his newly addition to the family. But because this is Labor Day weekend, he is scheduled to be on the program tomorrow. So we just changed things around a little bit. So uh, Al and I are doing the live show today, and tomorrow I will do a live uh, update on the markets for the tw- first 20 minutes. And uh, then, of course, uh, you will be hearing James Corbett. So uh, if you're missing him today, he'll be here tomorrow. And I just want to remind folks to make sure they visit our website at dgscoins.com, dgscoins.com. Make sure you sign up for a weekly newsletter. And, of course, that won't be going out because of Labor Day on Monday. Monday for this week, so it'll be a, a doubly good. Is there such doubly good? <laughs> a du- Sounds like the Doubleman twins. I'm not a sure. A doubly good issue in in two weeks. <laughs> and um, let's see what else? One eight hundred three seven five four one eight eight. An article from Reuters, again talking about Deutsche Bank. We were talking a little about Deutsche Bank before the break. And the headline is, Deutsche Bank refuses clients' demand for physical gold. Mm. Clients of Germany's biggest banks who have invested in the exchange-traded commodity extra gold are facing problems when they want to obtain physical gold. Extra gold is a bond on the Deutsche Bourse commodities market, and Deutsche Bank is the designated sponsor. On the website, Extra Gold says its clients have the right to take physical delivery of gold. And they're quoting. This is from the Extra Gold uh, advertising. Physically backed. The issuer uses the proceeds from the issue of Extra Gold to purchase gold. The physical gold is held in custody of the issuer in the Frankfurt vaults of Clearstream Banking AG a wholly owned subsidiary of Deutsche Bourse. In order to facilitate delivery of physical gold, the issuer holds a further limited amount of gold uh, on an unallocated weight account with Umicor, AG, and company. However, despite claims that virtually every gram of gold is backed uh, by the same amount of physical gold, clients have been refused the precious metal upon demand. Now, this is uh, the bank says uh, the service is no longer available for reasons of business policy. 
See, we took your money telling you you could get physical delivery, but since then we've changed our business policy and now you can't get the physical delivery. At least many people haven't been able to. Extra Gold says it has holdings uh, that amount to over 85 tons of gold. At the same time, the number of deliveries of physical gold has risen to nearly 900 at a total volume of four tons. What they're saying here, they appear to be saying, is that while extra gold says it has 85 tons of gold, some of its clients actually want their gold. And it amounts to no more than four tons, and extra gold cannot provide four tons, cannot or will not provide four tons out of what they claim to be as an 85 tons of uh gold in their vault. Um, the troubles with delivering even small amounts of gold to retail clients by Deutsche Bank may indicate that the global physical gold shortage is only growing. In my opinion, it might also indicate that Deutsche Bank is bankrupt and a possible criminal enterprise that's about to go belly up and might take the world with it. I mean, we've heard reports critical of Deutsche Bank for perhaps six months now, claiming they're on the edge. They seem to avoid, they, they have been sustained by something. They have avoided a complete collapse. But if they've promised to pay some of their investors, people invested in certain products, they said, okay, we, we have the right to take physical gold. They say, yeah, we want the physical gold. And Deutsche Bank says, uh-uh, sorry, we changed our business policy. It's not, it's not a good sign. It's one of those things, Deutsche Bank, biggest bank in Germany. Um, it's the world's, uh, it's, the biggest, it's the biggest bank in Germany, and it is on the ropes for sure. Uh, whether or not Deutsche Bank is really going to collapse remains to be seen, but it's certainly, if you can believe what you've read over the last several months, it looks like at least a 90% probability that Deutsche Bank is going down, and the only question is when. The article continues, says Germany has the second largest gold reserves of 3,381 metric tons. However, there has been a public backlash against the German government for keeping most of the country's gold reserves abroad. All right? And what is the lesson to this little, this little story? If you're going to let Deutsche Bank hold your gold, don't count on getting it back. And Germany has left, I don't know how much gold, at the New York's Federal Reserve Bank, and they can't get it back out of there. They haven't been able to recover them. They have asked for their money now for a couple of years, perhaps, at least a year, maybe two. They've been trying to get their money out of the New York Federal Reserve, and if or their gold, excuse me, out of the New York Federal Reserve. And so far, as I know, they have been largely unsuccessful. They've been told it takes something like seven years to get all their money back. This is telling us something, and what it appears to indicate is that the central banks of and the major banks of the world that are allegedly holding gold probably aren't. All right? We don't know that to be absolutely true, at least probably aren't holding as much as they claim to hold they have quite possibly leased much of their gold to third parties who sold it out, under the mar out in the market. 
And in doing so, they've helped to suppress the price of gold because the central banks say, oh, oh, we've still got thousands of tons. We've got all our gold. You know, we would never, we would never do anything. We've got our 3,000 tons here in Germany. They've got their 3,000 tons. Maybe not. Okay, maybe it's not really there. Maybe 2,000 of that 3,000 tons has been sold into the market. And the market is counting both the 2,000 tons that's been sold and perhaps turned into ingots or even coins. They're kind of, well, we got 2,000 there, and we still have 3,000 in, in the German vaults. They are calculating that we have 5,000 tons of gold, maybe even 6,000 tons of gold, when in fact, maybe there's only half of that available right now. And the implication is that if, and if that turns out to be an accurate assessment, and if the world figures out that there's only half as much gold in circulation as many of the central banks and governments claim, then what should the price of gold be? And it should probably be double whatever it is right now and maybe more than that. But if there's only half the gold around here, in fact, I mean, they're, they're running an illusion. And this is not a new observation by me. This has been... This, is, this idea has been presented by a number of people for a number of years. They're, they're leasing gold and claiming to still have it when it's being sold to third parties. Uh, fraud, 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 fraud. Sooner or later, that fraud is going to be exposed. When it is, people are going to say, oh, my gosh, the price of gold is double, should be double what it is right now, and maybe more than that. And the other point to the story People who have trusted Deutsche Bank to store their gold have perhaps seen their trust betrayed. Um, Germany trusted New York Fed to store some of its gold. They may have seen that trust betrayed. There is a lesson here. You connect the dots and you can start to say, you know, when you start trusting other people and other institutions to protect your gold, there's a certain amount of wishful thinking in that. And under the right circumstances, you're going to find out, uh-uh, we don't have it. We've had a change in business policy. We can't give you gold. How would you like a nice, fresh check? Maybe even, maybe even some cash right off the press, hot and fresh. How about that? Well, you know, well, I think many people have forgotten that Deutsche Bank was the one that truly initiated the disbanding of the London gold fix. They were the first ones, that, they're the ones that pulled out. And that is right about the time, you know, uh, how many years ago was that? Two years, three years ago, yeah. where they really started having their problems. And um, Maybe that, that was, was evidence that of was, their problems and, and they didn't want to be, maybe they would have showed up if they had stayed in the London gold fix. Is that it, possible? Well, uh, you know, be, well, they were being accused of rigging the gold and uh, the, the the gold market at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And um, but I so it's you know somewhere along in the line, it's part of the puzzle of Deutsche Bank and the problems that they're having. But uh, they were the first one; they were the ones that pulled out, and then you know the uh, two others followed. But uh, they were the first ones, and I think at that point in time, they were being threatened. Uh, uh, with some of the, uh, you know, the higher ups uh, to be um, taken to court and so forth, but naturally they just pay the fine and you know everybody moves on, uh, and no, um, you know, no guilt is ever 
admitted, but uh, jail is for the doing. poor people and the middle class, but not the super rich. Melody, sure. they don't go to. So, they have lots of money. To so get it's a jail free card. But it's interesting how you know when you look at their history and you look at where they are today and and the problem. So are are they going to be saved or are they going to be used as a scapegoat? Um, I think they're going to be the scapegoat. But um, because I, I think because I think with their shenanigans with the uh, London Gold, Gold Fix and and so forth, um, uh, I don't think they, I don't think I think they did that on their own. I don't think they had approval to do that. So, well, it may be just fighting to survive, just as they claim to have eighty-five tons of gold, according to the report we were reading, but they can't deliver. Four tons of gold, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? You, and you, you what happened talk- to the other eighty-one tons of gold? Is it gone? Have they used that to shore up and create, maintain the illusion that they're still a viable financial institution? Well, none of the ETFs have to be. I, as far as I know, they still don't audit the the ETFs, and that's what this was. It was an ETF, uh, so they're not audited. Um, you really don't know how much gold they have. No, no. I mean, these ETFs, these gold and silver ETFs were initially, I mean, I believe they were one of the first ones but of the ETFs, uh, created so Wall Street had something to trade. You know, when people wanted real physical gold, Wall Street wouldn't sell it because they don't make money on it. They can't churn your account. You might call it trading, but really Wall Street churns your account. So they can continue to add commissions to their uh, bank accounts, but um, so you know, so they created ETFs. So when a client comes to them and says, "Hey, I want some physical gold," well, you don't want that physical gold. Heck, no! You have to store it. You have to worry about somebody stealing it. You have to do this. But you know what? We do have these ETFs. Let's put 10% of your money in there, and most people are happy, thinking they now own gold, yep. and uh, they are certainly not aware of the problems that they really face in the future. They think they're protected, but they're not. It's the I same understand. way with mining shares. People think they have gold. You don't. You have a corporation. Um, you do not. Uh, you do not own gold. You own paper. You yep. own the corporation. So when you buy mining shares, you better know it, it shouldn't just be from, you know, somebody telling you that, uh, you know, it's a great corporation and so forth. It's the same thing as Wall Street does when they when they sell IBM and every other piece of paper. Um, so know the corporation. And uh, even then, even then, I mean, well, we've I seen get these it, stories like then, Deutsche I mean, Bank, for example, Lehman Brothers, when they collapsed, they pretty much they nearly triggered triggered that collapse of a single financial institution came close to triggering a global depression. That's assuming it didn't, but it came close at least. Good chance that Deutsche Bank could do the same. All right? And the point is we live in a world that is fragile, unstable, unreliable. I don't care where you put your gold. You can put it in the most trustworthy corporation in all the world. But if it's... 500 or 1,000 miles away from you and things go really badly, I'm not saying they're going to, but some people think they might, if they really have that worst-case scenario, what good is that going to be? Say, look, I've, 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 got, I've got 1,000 ounces of gold, it's, and it's just, it's just off in Philadelphia. Really? 
What good's that going to do you down here in Texas? That's like needing a gun when it's at your Aunt Margaret's up in Illinois. Now, you need the gun now. You need it in your hand. The same thing, in my opinion, is at least a, you know potentially true about gold. And there yeah. is no free ride. Yeah. But there are some rides that are almost that have a high probability of leading you to a lot of trouble. And if you're going to deal in paper, my opinion, you're going to head for trouble. If you're going to deal with storing your wealth, letting someone else, trusting someone else to store your wealth. I mean, put your gold in the vault. All right, at some foreign locations. It's either out of state, out of the United States completely. What if things really do go badly? What is to prevent the people running that vault from simply taking your gold and everyone else's gold in the vault and moving to wherever, Singapore, Argentina, someplace? What are you going to do about it? In a worst-case scenario, do you think you're going to be able to sue them? There isn't going to be any access. There's not going to be the court isn't going to reach out from here to, you know, Jakarta in order to say, well, order them to give your gold back. It just isn't going to happen. If you're concerned about a worst case scenario, if you think that's a a possibility that's worth, worth considering, then you have to think in terms of what am I going to do to hang on to my gold and how can I personally protect it? And if you can do that, well, then, then you have a shot. If you can't do it, you're going to be in deep, deep trouble. And the people that don't have gold, they're going to be in deep, deep trouble no matter what they do. Then they got paper. Now what? You know, people go around, you've heard this, you've heard it for years, where pe- people who are antagonistic to the idea of gold say, well, you can't eat gold. Well, you can't eat the paper shares either. You can't eat the bonds and the stocks. You're going to make a stock sandwich? I'm going to get two slices of stock shares and I'm going to put a bond, put a bond between the two slices of stock shares and have it for lunch. You know, but in worst case scenario, your stocks and bonds aren't going to be worth much. Your gold will still hold its value. Let's take a break for some commercials. Melody and I will be back in a moment. Please stay tuned. or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out? When life is too much to handle, use Apothecary Herbs Emotional Stress Formula. Feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope. Complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee. You've waited long enough. Call Apothecary Herbs now. Toll free 866-229-3663 That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3Ws.thepowerherbs.com.
prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. I'm Alfred Adisk here with Melody Cedarstrom on financial survival. Got an article from the Hacker News. Dropbox hacked. More than 68 million account details leaked online. Now, they didn't get a lot out of this. Many of you, probably most of you, don't recognize what Dropbox is. It's a way of moving files where you can have a common vault for lack of a better term, where I can put files, you can put files. We have a little group of people, and we can move our files. And every time one of us puts a file in there, if it's amended, everybody gets an amended copy. Um, it's, it's a handy device for moving files around. But they point out Dropbox was hacked. More than 68 million account date details leaked on, on, online. Um, this actually took place in 2012. And Dropbox announced that they were hacked back in 2012, but they didn't, they, according to this article from the Hacker News, they failed to specify the, the exact number of affected users. They then apparently left the idea, left the impression, well, they were hacked and they got a dozen or 20 users. Well, they got 68 million, all right? And they didn't bother saying anything. They didn't bother telling the number back in 2012, but they are now. And it didn't generate much heat in 2012, but here, because they covered it up and they said, don't tell them, oh my God, 68 million, don't tell. It'll ruin us. But what's going to happen now? It's coming out now. And I'll guarantee that there are people all over the world that are looking at Dropbox and they're saying, I don't know. Now, here's another one in the same line. This is from Technocracy News. And the headline is Facebook using deep data mining to destroy privacy. Uh, Facebook's ability to figure out people we might know is sometimes eerie. Many a Facebook user has been creeped out when a one-time Tinder date or an ex-boss from 10 years ago suddenly pops up as friend recommendations. How does the big blue giant know? They tell the story of a psychiatrist who was occasionally on Facebook. Uh, she just used it infrequently. Next thing you know, she starts finding out that they are that Facebook is recommending that she contact some of her own clients as friends. Huh? Now, beyond that, when you put the pieces together, you could figure out that some of her clients were they had mental illness, they were the victims of domestic abuse. The there were the, the psychiatrist is supposed to be responsible for maintaining her clients' privacy. 
But Facebook found a way to get around that. Now, she wasn't releasing the details, but Facebook was figuring it out. And they were they wanted it. Apparently, it had something to do with once she revealed her cell phone number to Facebook. And Facebook had a way of checking this out through Microsoft or Google or wherever. Then they start coming up with her clients. They didn't know what they were doing exactly, but they didn't care what they were doing. And the point is, once again, you get into this brave new Internet world and you can't count on privacy. You can't count on security. Now, get another one. It's coming up. This is ultimately primarily from the Washington Examiner. It was actually in Prophecy Newswatch, but the article is, uh, the basis was an article in the Washington Examiner. Uh, the headline, Do We Trust the Elections? Homeland Security to Take Charge. Washington Examiner headline read, Homeland Security to Take Charge of Elections. We know that local election databases have been hacked, and Donald Trump has expressed concern that the presidential election in November could be rigged somehow. And when we say somehow, we mean digitally. If they can control the computers, if they can hack the computers, somebody can control the election. According to the Washington Examiner, even before the FBI identified the new cyber attacks on two separate state election boards, the Department of Homeland Security began considering declaring the election a critical infrastructure giving the Department of Homeland Security the same control over security it had over Wall Street and the electric power grid. Now, the point of the article is that Department of Homeland Security says, oh, my gosh, somebody's hacking into our election process. They've had two instances that we know about, and they're much concerned that someone might try to adversely to falsify the election results in 2016. And Homeland Security says, that's a job for Big Brother. Here comes Homeland Security, and they will protect us. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm not sure that's true. If we Right now, we have about 9,000 separate election divisions in the, in the United States. They break down on the basis of cities and counties and whatever. But we have about 11, of my understanding, about 9,000 of these separate entities that are collecting votes. There are undoubtedly some dangers and liabilities when you have 9,000 of these small entities that are counting the votes. But there's also a certain amount of strength in it, in that hackers could come in and they might be able to get to some of those entities. But they can't get to all 9,000 or probably even a majority of them without leaving a trail that can be tracked and found. Uh, on the other hand, if we hand over control of the elections to a single governmental entity like Homeland Security, what guarantee do we have that we can trust Homeland Security not to fix the elections? We are sitting on the edge of something here that is a lot like the former Soviet Union, where they used to have elections and they only had one candidate and he always got 97, 98% of the vote. Huh? But the government counted the vote, as Stalin said, it doesn't matter who votes, it matters who counts the votes. If we have a single entity in charge of keeping our elections secure, that entity is a primary suspect, uh, certainly someone that you have to wonder about, can we trust Homeland Security? Uh, three days ago, Senator Minority Leader Harry Reid, Democrat from Nevada, sent a letter to FBI Director James Comey expressing concern that, quote, 
the threat of the Russian government tampering in our presidential elections is more extensive than widely known and may include the intent to falsify official election results. Well, Harry is out to save us from the Russians. This is the same Russians who allegedly are responsible for hacking into Hillary's email and embarrassing her and the Democratic Party. So the Democrats, oh my gosh, the evil Russians are at it again. They may not only get Hillary, they may even get the election and compromise it one way or another. And I'm thinking to myself, if the Russian government, which is 10, 15,000 miles away, if they, can, if they can tamper in our elections from that far away, what's to stop the FBI, the National Security Agency, and Homeland Security from tampering with our elections right here? They're local. They don't have to cross the, the Atlantic Ocean or whatever with their, with their computer programs. They're right here. They could do this. So we're left to wonder, who should we fear more, the government of Russia or the government of the United States? Who in the final analysis has caused more real harm to this country in the past decade? Secretary of State Hillary Clinton or the Russian President Vladimir Putin? Right now we have about, again, 9,000 separate election districts in the United States, and there's dangers. But, you know, if we're going to put all our eggs in one basket, we are exposing ourselves to a certain amount of liability we are trusting homeland security and from my perspective you could just as easily say big brother incidentally i wrote an article on homeland security probably a year two years ago and what it was about was a hearing in congress and there was a photograph of the hearing in congress and someone was holding up a map of the homeland right and you could see it in the photograph and they had europe and they had Asia, and the homeland included Canada, the United States, and Mexico. Homeland, I have yet to find a, I haven't looked hard for one, but I have yet to see a geographic description of the homeland. We, are, we sit back, oh, homeland, you know, must mean the United States. Well, yeah, but it may also mean Canada and Mexico the homeland is arguably the North American Union. Uh, and this is photograph was, this was right there. It was in Congress. And this was being held up in Congress to illustrate a point. Well, homeland is, if, if that photograph and the map seen in the photograph, if they're valid, then the homeland is part of a globalist enterprise. And do we want to trust some globalist entity to secure our, our elections and count our votes for us? Is that what we want to do? Really? The question becomes, who do we have to fear more? Big Brother, that is to say, Homeland Security or the little hackers? Who should we fear? Who should we trust? Perhaps the solution to this d dilemma is to abandon digital voting and go back to paper ballots. I write my ballot. I sign my name to it. Maybe I sign my name to it, maybe I don't, but I at least I give you, I give the cop, I give a copy of the ballot that goes to people counting the votes, and I take one copy with me. Where if push comes to shove, we can go to the voters and say, where's your piece of paper? We want to see what really happened. The election looks to be skewed in a way that's unreasonable. We can look at the paper trail and we can say, ha-ha, this election was falsified. We know this. We can track this down. It would take some effort, but it can be done. Digitally, you can't prove diddly. All right? 
So maybe we need a non-digital evidence of our votes uh, that uh, we've cast in order to create the paper trail that can be followed to see who really wins our elections and inhibits hackers, government agencies, criminals, Soros, from meddling in our, in, in our elections. Yes, it'll take a little bit longer to count the votes. I understand that. Won't be as instantaneous as the computer, but it's not going to be subject to the kinds of problems that they are considering right now. What do you think, Melody? Should we go to a non-digital election format? We should. I, I think it's I think it's actually a pretty good idea. I think it's the sort of thing where you wreck the problem is the fundamental problem with hackers is they can hack into anything digital. Uh-huh. And if you want to protect something from the hackers, you've got to probably keep it in a form that is not digital. They can't hack into reality. They can't hack into the paper, just the, it's just the sheets of paper. Uh, likewise, they can't hack into gold coins. They can hack into bank accounts. They can't hack into digital. They, they can hack into digital bank accounts. They can't hack into gold coins. This is a consistent lesson with what we see. This even goes to when we start having a digital election where we can't be sure about the votes count, this is not so far removed from our notion of fiat currency. We have some digital currency coming floating around. About 80% of our transactions are made with digital currency, meaning credit cards. Huh? I mean, we are living in a digital world, and it is convenient, and it offers opportunity for great profits, and it also oper- uh, offers opportunities for enormous thefts that are very difficult to detect, hard to prove. So I'm just saying maybe we need to start thinking about this digital universe we're living in right now. And if you've got things you really want to protect, like your wealth or your votes, maybe they need to be in a non-digital format. Okay, Melody, now it's your turn. Well, you know, you first started out with um, talking about Facebook, and I believe one of their satellites um, didn't get up into the sky. It caught on fire, so they lost one of their satellites. And um, so, you know, that's a little bit of a payback. I'm not sure how much those satellites cost, but uh, I'm sure they're they're not inexpensive by any means. So... But yeah. uh, I don't know if it's a payback or I mean, <laughs> we are living in a digital world and it's a strange place and every bit of us is vulnerable. The information that you folks give to Facebook or any of the other social media, all of this is being combined and assembled. Or again, a psychiatrist in the story we're talking about, Facebook is recommending she contacts her, her patients as potential friends. Somehow they've put an alg- algorithm together where they know that her phone number associates with these people's phone number, and they're saying, why don't you call them and get, get them to sign up for Facebook? It is amazing what people put on Facebook. Uh, no, no. It's, it's just shocking. And <sighs> what's your phone number? Give them your cell phone. <laughs> You go to any other website in the world and give them your phone, give them your cell phone, and more than likely, Facebook will almost instantly have an association between Facebook and you and that new website. 
you give them this common information, they can look for these. Com- you use the same password, and uh, you know you may you have a password for safe uh, for 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 uh, Facebook. You have another passport pass. You have another. You need this. You may be using the same password for your Yahoo email account. Just out of convenience. As soon as they see those common denominators, bang, the computers automatically hook them together, and they can create a profile of you. Huh? It's far and, more extensive than you may be you able and to I, recognize on your own. You and I had a little bit of a disagreement not too long ago about you, you thinking no. you were signing nah, signing up for something that, oh, it can't be hacked. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. If you're on the Internet, no matter what's on there, it is not private. It can be hacked, period. Same thing with your bank accounts. Yep. All right. You want to store your wealth, you need to think twice about keeping it in a digital format. We're out of time. Uh, Be back tomorrow. I hope you'll tune in at that time. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, and Frank, the producer. Bye-bye. I work all night. I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. never seems to be a single penny left for me. religious and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
about where your next meal will come from if the power is out for an extended period of time? I'd like to suggest Numana Foods, a family-owned business with a passion for food quality and taste, as well as long-term storage reliability. Numana.com. Check them out for your family's health and security. Food so good tasting and good for you, it can be eaten every day. Standard buckets are GMO-free, contain no aspartame, high fructose corn syrup, extract, chemical preservatives, or soy. You can be confident your Numana meals will be there for you and your family when you need them during an emergency. Numana.com, a nutritionally healthy way to prepare for any disaster. That's Numana.com. N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. Critical Show, my live show for Wednesday evening. It is already the 31st day of August 2016. The year is flying by and summer is just about over. And uh, not a moment sooner. I don't like the heat. It's quite cool today, actually, up here in the state of Washington. It rained a little bit, so forth. Let's get a couple things out of the way. First off, you're listening, like I said, right here on the American Voice Radio Network. That means you can go to the American Voice Radio or AmericaVoiceRadio.com, which is the website, ladies and gentlemen, for this network. I have a website, ConditionCriticalShow.com. 
you should check that out as well. Post some articles on there. I'm uh, pretty active on there, so forth. A couple donate links, and most important donate link is uh, the one for this network here. So when you visit the website, AmericanVoiceRadio.com, find that donate link and donate $5. Frank would appreciate it. So would I. Okay, what else? Call in number 1-800-932-1980. If you'd like to call in and talk to your host, if not, just sit back and listen. There is a chat room. Again, you can find that at the American Voice Radio or AmericanVoiceRadio.com. Okay. Well, I wasn't on last night. I apologize for that. Not my fault, uh, kind of, sort of. Power outage. A uh, transformer blew up somewhere here in the neighborhood and knocked out power to several homes, and we would called them. That's happened about 7.30 in the evening. Called them, and they're like, yeah, we know. We'll have power back on by 10 o'clock. I'm thinking, okay, whatever. I mean, that's just an estimate, and I, I wasn't counting on it. But, I mean, they beat their estimate, so I have to give them. I mean, credits usually do where it's due. Power was back on by what, about 9.30, 9.30 in the evening. So they beat their estimate even by half an hour, and that's pretty unusual for Puget Sound Energy because uh, they're fairly incompetent. Anyway, so let's just get on with some things here. It's been a while. Haven't been on, like I say, I'm only on, well, I'll be on twice a week. Uh, starting next week because I wasn't on last night. So, you know, that's that's usually a problem when you have a lot to say and when when a lot goes on, the news cycle, and, you know, things kind of happen really fast. And the big news last week was Colin Kaepernick. He's the the half of a black guy quarterback, and I'm not going to talk a lot about him, but I think there's a couple of things worth mentioning uh, about Colin Kaepernick and his uh, up here in Seattle. Now, I'm not a football fan. But you have the Seahawks up here, and, you know, they become quite popular because they got – because Seattle, they're very fair-weather fans. Nothing like East Coast fans, you know, that they stick with their team. Oh, yeah, they might boo them and throw stuff on the field. Uh, but take, for instance, like the – just talking of football, like the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, they, they're a sellout all the time, even when they're very bad. And not, as far as I know, they haven't been really good in a long time, but they still have a solid fan base, not out here. Yeah, Seattle. They got Pete Carroll as their head coach. He came from USC. He he left USC in a shambles. They had to give back, I think, two of their national championships. One of the running backs, Reggie Bush, that that had won a Heisman Trophy, had to give that back, you know, because of all the cheating and corruption. And that's just how Pete Carroll is. He's a douchebag, and he's a piece of crap. Uh, but anyway, where was I going? Yeah, Seattle Seahawks uh, used to be in the AFC, the American Football Conference, and they had. Uh, the NFL realigned several years ago, moved them to the NFC, the National Football Conference, which placed them right into the uh, Western Division there, which means uh, they're in there with uh, San Francisco uh, 49ers. That's what they call them up here. They're the 49ers. Well, she got the uh, Arizona Cardinals. GC, uh, I don't even really know all the teams in the conference, but anyway. The point is that the, 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 the you know San Francisco and Seattle they're they're like arch rivals, okay, and they call them the Forty Winers up here, and Colin Kaepernick up here is referred to as Colin Kaepernick. So Colin Kaepernick, and that's that's clever and it's funny. So let's just refer to him as Colin Kaepernick. And the only couple things worth mentioning because it's really been beaten, and I mean he 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 stepped in it. Uh, let's just start there that he did step in it. He 
crossed the line and he, you know, but what does he know? He's just some young half of a black guy, kid, <clears throat> excuse me, who, who makes now, this is something you may not know. His salary is, is almost $20 million a year. And it's all guaranteed by the way. Well, not all guaranteed. His, he signed like a huge, like a hundred and some million. It might've been $200 million contract. I don't know. Uh, but a great, a large portion of that was guaranteed. Anyway, his 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 his, his actual income per year is nearly twenty million dollars, and so for him to come out and claim that you know we're a bunch of racists out here and and that black people and another thing that he said that just kind of struck me is that he he and this is almost a direct quote from him is that he considers himself part of the African community. He didn't say African American, which leads me to believe he's kind of an idiot and doesn't know what the hell he's talking about, or Maybe he wasn't reading the script properly, you know, because it's always my assumption or it is my assumption that, you know, idiots like this. And I kind of had this have the same theory and still do about that ass clown that calls himself Bruce Jenner that, you know, they made him famous. And they give him all this money. Right. And but, you know, there's a hitch to it. They're somewhere along the line. They're going to want something back. And what they did with Bruce Jenner is it's like, okay, this is what we need you to do. We need you to put a dress on and dress up like a female. And that's what we need you to do to advance our, our degenerate agenda. And you can tell, and I said it back then, you can, you can tell that it, he wasn't comfortable with it just by his, just by his, his whole, you know, disposition and his persona. Okay. You could tell he wasn't happy with it and he just wasn't comfortable with it. Okay. As simple as that. Now I haven't watched any of the coverage on this Colin Kaepernick idiot, but just by him, as they say, misspeaking, I love when they do that. Oh, I misspoke, you know, whatever misspoke, but it just proves that, uh, you know, when it just proves number one, he's an idiot. And perhaps number two, that there's something else going on here that he read the script wrong. And instead of saying African-American, he, he said, he, puts himself in the African community. Well, look, he's half of a black guy. That's to me, that is first and foremost, because I've said the same thing about the, our, our illustrious president, Barack Hussein Obama, that calls himself a black guy and a Christian, by the way, and a, not a Muslim, but his middle name is Hussein. Go figure. I mean, how many Christians give their middle, their, their kid a middle name like that, like that, you know, how many Christians do you know uh, named Mustafa Muhammad Jones? You just don't. Okay, those are Muslims. Okay, simple as that. Or, or he's an idiot, but he's not. Anyway, Colin Kaepernick. So yeah, $20 million a year. Abandoned at six months of age by his white mother, who uh, mistakenly, foolishly uh, procreated with a black dude. And then he abandoned, you know, they, he, he's never been in a picture Nobody's ever been able to find out even who this guy is, whatever. And maybe he's dead. Who knows? You would think if he was alive, he would be looking for some of them shekels that old Colin Kaepernick has pocketed. But uh, no, that hasn't happened as far as we know. Anyway, and so that's worth pointing out that, yeah, he was, he, his, his mother was white, abandoned at six months, abandoned. They say he, she gave him up, and he was eventually adopted by this white couple from Wisconsin. Why they would do that, you know, these are stupid white people. That, that do things like this. His mother, his adoptive mother, is quoted as, and this is from dialogue from when he was young. I don't know if he was in grade school, maybe junior high, 
he and he he said to his his adoptive mother, uh, "Mom, you know, geez, I I go to school and I you know I don't look like the other kids, duh, right? I mean, Wisconsin back then it was predominantly it was probably ninety five percent white, you know. So these couple of idiots think they're doing, you know, this is just it's just astonishing how the white white people can be so stupid sometimes. Anyway." So he, he, yeah, I, said, I don't look like you and uh, the kids at school. And I, I don't look like, how come I don't look like uh, you or dad or, or whatever, mom? And his mother's like, well, uh, we're not your parent or whatever. We adopted you and, and don't feel bad. And, she, and, and now I, I, I don't have all the dialogue here in my head and I'm not reading it from anywhere uh, where I got it. So I'm just paraphrasing. She said something like this to him. She said, uh, you have she, something like this. She's like, you have, she said something like, trying to figure if remember it's like i wish i had beautiful brown skin like you isn't that nauseating it, 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 to me it's nauseating for her to say something like that you don't think that could you imagine a black couple adopting a white kid and a white kid's geez uh we're in the ghetto here and uh man i really stand out it's this different uh, how come i don't look like you oh it's okay johnny you know, uh, we love you and your dad loves you. And I know you got to run home from school and you got to hide. And, and I understand that. But, you know, you're just, you, know, I, you look at your skin. I, I wish I had beautiful white skin like you. Do you really think that a black person would say that? No, of course not. Anyway, I think that's about all I want to beat up on uh, Colin Kaepernick because he's done quite enough on his own. His career, it, it was, wasn't very, going very well to begin with. So, uh, and now the San Francisco 41ers are contemplating even trading this jack wagon. So there you go. But what does he care? Because his contract, his money's all guaranteed anyway. So yeah, I wish I could be oppressed. Is just a smidgen, a sliver of how uh, uh, how he's been oppressed. Just it's it's unbelievable. Okay, so let's move on. Okay, so Donald Trump was uh, in Ever up in Everett, Washington last night. I called in. I think I did call in last night to the show, and I think I mentioned that. And this morning, uh, and it's on YouTube. Uh, it's about an hour and twenty some minutes. And there were other speakers, and I just kind of breezed through it. And I got to tell you, I only watched. I can't. I, I got only about ten minutes. I think of Donald Trump, and maybe that's unfair, but and maybe I should go back and watch the rest of it. He's not a very good public speaker. And that's not that to me, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I don't, you know, I don't think we need a slick talking president or a slick talking politician. I think we're actually, we, I, I would rather not have a slick talking politician. On the other hand, uh, and again, I didn't, I didn't watch the whole thing. So perhaps I should withhold judgment, but just, a, you know, the 10 minutes I did watch, and that was about all it was. And about half of that time, he was pandering to the blacks and to the Latinos. And that's how he referred to them. And he referred to the blacks as blacks and not African-American. They could kind of, he vacillated back and forth between referring to them as African-Americans and sometimes blacks. It, 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 no big deal to me. He was better than Obama, Frank. Absolutely. Uh, but again, he was, that's the, what I, that was the gist I got is he was pandering to that. And I had seen that coming, uh, because that's kind of where they're trying to push him. He, he's, uh, and I get it. You got to go out there and get votes, but I don't think you should pander to any one particular group. Why don't you just pander to the American people? Uh, why, let's stop this nonsense with uh, having to go after a particular vote. Oh, we got to go after the woman vote. Oh, we got to go after the, the homos. And, and, uh, you know, we, we got all these people, you know, categorized, you know, 
But you never hear them say we're going to go, we have to go after the white vote. You never hear that. It's always we got to go after the homos, the blacks, the Muslims, the Latinos, on and on and on. And freaking, uh, you name it. Okay, never the white vote. That because that would be racist, don't you know? Anyway, so the reason I bring up Trump is now here's the headline, and this is from out here in the state of Washington. The headline is teachers presidential campaign till negatively impacting Washington kids. That's the headline. And, you know, these new crop of public school teachers, and they've always been this way to some degree. <laughs> but it just seems to me that it's, it's way worse, you know, with this new crop, if you will, of, of current public school teachers being so brainwashed that it's, it's just unbelievable. I mean, there is no common sense anymore in the public school uh, realm. None with the teachers and the administrators. None. None. They're all freaking out of their minds. Okay. No, he doesn't. Uh, and I haven't seen any coverage, and I'm commenting on uh, what Frank is saying in the chat room for some of the listeners out there. A couple of shows ago, I it seemed like I was rambling, and, and, and you know, the people in the audience might be going, Who, who's he talking to? Well, when I... When I make a comment like I just did there, I, I guess I should be, you know, be clear. I'm commenting. Frank in the chat room uh, posted, and he doesn't just freeze and forget where he is, who he is, and what he was saying, like the Hilda Beast, a.k.a. Uh, Hillary Clinton. And no, Hillary Clinton's in bad shape, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I think I talked about it last week, but I want to get to this article. And, and again, the headline was presidential campaign tone negatively impacting Washington kids. I'll just read from the article briefly. It's a teaching moment that still makes... What's her name? Carrie Ann McMichael's skin crawl. That winter morning in her sixth grade Tumwater class, Tumwater is a town south of Olympia, which is the state capital. It's essentially right next to it. It's just right there, part of, anyway, Olympia, Washington, just geographically there. Tumwater class when a few white students, and uh, unbelievable why they have to, they would never say if it had been a black student, a black student. Don't you? Unbelievable. A few, when a few white stu- students said that all Muslims should be banned from the United States. Okay. So this is a grade school class, I'm guessing here. It, she continued on. Here's a quote. They said they were afraid of my Muslims, my Muslims, her Muslim students, and that these Muslim kids were planning to bomb the schools and terrorize people, said McMichael, the former Peter G. Schmidt elementary school teacher. The former, so she's not there anymore. Maybe they sent her off somewhere else. Who knows? The Muslim, the Muslim students came quick to their own defense. I'm not a Muslim. I'm not a Muslim. Now, do you really believe this? Do you really believe that some kids got up in class and said that? Uh, I don't think so, ladies and gentlemen. I don't think so. In this classroom, the only defense they had was to hide their true beliefs. Oh, I could feel their suffering, and I could see it on their faces. McMichael wailed or cried or whatever, says here she recalled. I don't understand why an 11-year-old is being accused of plotting to blow up our school. Well, as another quote, well, let's see, because that's what Muslims do, right? It's like, you know, when you, if you go play with a rattlesnake. Let's say you just figure you're going to go out to the woods tomorrow, and you're just going to play with You're going to go find a rattlesnake, and you're going to go play with it. Yeah, I know. Um, but I have to continue on, Frank. So if, if you're going to cry, I apologize. I understand. I'm sure Melissa can find you a box of tissues. So anyway, back, getting back to the rattlesnake. 
I mean, you wouldn't just go with, I mean, unless you were a retard, right? Unless you were like a retard, a real one. Okay. And you went dum-de-dum and you started fiddling around and, and poking a rattlesnake with a stick. And of course it's going to bite you and they're venomous, lethal venom, and you're going to die. Okay. So there's two and two. There's, you know, there's a way, there's this, the flow chart, you know, where you can, okay, if I do this, this is going to happen. If this is over here happens and in conjunction with that, this is going to happen. See, it's like a puzzle. Two and two put things together. Muslims strap bombs to themselves and they blow stuff up. That's what they do. So don't, don't we have these instances happening on a weekly basis, it seems? So is it that far-fetched for a kid to, to you know, kind of think, well, uh, I think this could happen. Yeah, I think it's appropriate to think that way. Uh, whatever. But, you know, whatever. Okay, I'll continue on. It's no coincidence, McMichael said, that weeks before chaos erupted in their classroom, Donald Trump called for a total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the country, much like Franklin Delano Roosevelt interned Japanese, much like Jimmy Carter had a moratorium on Iranians. I, I think uh, Clinton uh, had done something similar. Uh, this is what happens. This is what countries should do when there is an identifiable uh, threat. Uh, you have to take measures to protect your nation and your people. It's the responsible thing to do. It was not an irresponsible thing or a that be racist moment for Donald Trump to say something like that. It's only that way for idiots and for people that want nothing. And it's something that I've never understood because, you know, we're all in this thing together here. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss McMichael, wherever you're teaching now, wherever they're allowing you to teach now, you have to understand, you know, that when you walk into a Starbucks coffee shop, you're putting your life in danger. Oh, maybe it's just an infant in this very small amount of danger. I understand that, but you're still putting your life in danger because these Muslims don't go to the state capitals and blow up the, the house, the body Congress. They go and blow up people in coffee shops and in train stations and in schools. How many schools have been attacked in Europe by Muslim savages? Miss McMichael. Okay. Let's see. So it continues on from his repeated vows to build a wall separating the U S from Mexico to his off the cuff remarks about certain groups of immigrants. Kids are picking up the Republican presidential nominee statements on immigration that have become synonymous, become synonymous with his name. Again, uh, repeated vows to build a wall separating the U.S. from Mexico. Well, first of all, with all the talk of building a wall in Mexico from uh, numerous politicians, including John McShane, that 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 dirtbag down there in Arizona who just won his primary. And now there's only three reasons that people like. Rubio, Marco Rubio won his primary. Deborah, Debbie Blabbermouth Schultz won her primary. Now they're saying that it's the power of incumbency. I, I'm saying, look, there can only be really one of maybe two or three reasons why these douchebags keep getting back in office. Either one, people are idiots. And that's probably the most likely is that people are just idiots. Two or two with maybe a little bit of one mixed in is that the elections are rigged, that these things are rigged. Now, I know that's conspiratorial and it sounds it sounds like right wing kookery, but, you know, it has to be said. So that's two, three. Well, that's the that's I don't know. OK, that's the third option is maybe I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, because 
I can't for the life of me figure out what the hell's wrong with people in Arizona. I just can't. John McCain is a dirtbag. But anyway, I'm getting off the track here. But it's, it's, it's astonishing that these people keep getting back in office. Okay. But the wall, like I was saying, there should be a hundred of these dang things by now. Okay, that was my point. Trump said he's going to build a wall. McCain, everybody, we should have, a, if not a hundred of them, we should, at least if they're going to build it on top of the other, it should be a freaking thousand feet high by now. But my, you know, at the end of the day, we don't need a wall. We have definable borders. It's real simple. Just, 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 you know, enforce the law, you know, enforce the immigration laws and, and standards and procedures and, and simple as that. Okay. We know what the hell's going on. It's not that complicated. Let's not try and complicate things further. Uh, all the primaries are run by the parties themselves. There is no third, third party oversight. And that is correct, Frank. And I think I pointed that out oh, six months ago or something like that. And I've been wanting to do somewhat of an expose on that whole thing about the Republican National Committee and, and, and not just them, but the Democratic National Committee and the Committee for Presidential Debates. Because now this is a fact that the, the Committee for Presidential Debates is headed by members of both the Republican and Democratic National Committees. It's a private run organization and they handpick the questions and and the and they handpick the candidates at some what at the end of the it seems this time around they didn't get their way at least the repo well the democrats too i mean this time around I, it, it appears that we at least that you know happened to them and that was a good thing uh now bernie sanders is an idiot but you know hillary clinton is stands alone okay and so there was a little bit of defiance on both parties so yeah that was kind of cool and i think on both sides of the aisle, it was a good thing to shake things up. Anyway, let me continue on with this article. For many Trump supporters, well, I'm getting close to break here. And Frank, uh, I sent you my music in Skype. I, I trust that you got my music. So I'll continue on with the article briefly here until the, uh, until the break. For many Trump supporters, the tone of his campaign is what enamors them and what keeps them from coming to the candidate's defense. He breaks traditional, poli traditional politicians' mold breaks tr the traditional it doesn't say that it's not written it's written poorly as most news articles are and experts said that's been key to the success of his campaign well yeah that's that much just coming from a truck driver uh that much is, is true but mcmichael and scores of other teachers across the country scores of other teachers across the country are drawing parallels between the bold and divisive rhetoric of the 2016 presidential campaign and an increased level of fear they've observed in their classrooms, especially among students of color and the children of foreign-born parents. Well, there you go. Maybe, and I will, I want to finish up with this article after the break, especially among students of color. Well, I guess white's not a color. Anyway, enjoy the music and see you after the break.
shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. obligations or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out when life is too much to handle use apothecary herbs emotional stress formula feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee you've waited long enough call apothecary herbs now toll free 866-229-3663 that's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Most people realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. where your next meal will come from if the power is out for an extended period of time, I'd like to suggest Numana Foods, a family-owned business with a passion for food quality and taste, as well as long-term storage reliability. Numana.com. Check them out for your family's health and security. Food so good tasting and good for you, it can be eaten every day. Standard buckets are GMO-free, contain no aspartame, high fructose corn syrup, autolyzed yeast extract, chemical preserved or soy. You can be confident your Numana meals will be there for you and your family when you need them during an emergency. Numana.com, a nutritionally healthy way to prepare for any disaster. That's Numana.com. N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com.
prices have increased over 40%. Energy. Increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family.
that was abrupt. Welcome back, folks. Second half, condition critical. I'm your host, Jay Shanahan. My live show for Wednesday, 31st day of August, 2016, 40 minutes past the hour now, 41 minutes past the hour. And you're listening right here on the American Voice Radio Network. A little bit of music there for you. I hope you enjoyed during the break. Sex Pistols and ACDC. Not huge fans of both groups, but they both respectively had some... uh, couple of good songs. Okay, I want to continue on with this article. And the reason why, it's important because this this is going on in, in every public school and in every public school district across this once great nation. You have these teachers, like she said, and there was a quote from her, my students, they really consider your kids theirs when they're there. And not just there anymore, because they have their tentacles, if you will, have, you know, they in other, in other words, they have infected the, the households even. They, they, you know, they want to try and tell you, you how to raise your kids, was I guess what I'm saying. Okay. And, and that's not just hyperbole. That's a fact. So let me continue on with this article. <clears throat> I'll start over from just the last sentence of her quote where she said, and this is a quote, I could feel their suffering and I could see it on their faces. And that's tripe. Okay. That's tripe. Let's see here. Yeah, there was that part. Uh, I think I talked about that part. The Muslims, yeah, for many Trump supporters, exactly. Yeah, but Michael. And now here's here's here here here's where I want to start from. But McMichael, and this is the teacher now, and scores of other teachers across the country are drawing parallels between. I think I said this, but it's uh, it's important to, to go back as we had the break. So, divisive rhetoric of 2016 campaign, especially students of color. Right. Okay, that's where I left off. That's where I was trying to find where I had left off. Sometimes, come on. My screen doesn't like to uh, uh, work for me. It's working now. Here we go. In June, this is, would have been this year, <clears throat> June of this year, a Washington state education official suggested to some of the state's K-12 through teachers that they should take preemptive action to protect students from getting hurt by the 20, 000, uh, 2016 uh, political tone, specifically from the GOP nominee. Now, okay, I'm going to read that over. Okay, you need to listen to this. In June, a Washington state education official suggested, which means it was a directive, to some of the state's K-12 teachers that they should take preemptive action to protect students from getting hurt by the 2016 political tone, especially or specifically from the GOP nominee. Now, i got to ask you, this is a public school, School, okay, let's kind of, okay, remember the flow chart thing. Let's kind of extrapolate this thing out. Public school, okay, so it's public school. Send kids to school. Uh, what are they really supposed to be doing at school? Let's see. Uh, I don't know, English maybe? Teaching kids English composition, how to write, talk, a C-spot run, right? Uh, Bob went to the store, so on and so forth, right? Go to your next class. What are you supposed to learn at the next class? Okay. Uh, okay, uh, Johnny, Susie, uh, here you go on the chalkboard. One plus one. Okay, write that down. One plus one equals. Okay, remember we went through this lesson uh, addition. This is addition, right? One plus one equals. It equals, well, it equals really whatever, you know, your, whatever your best effort, you know, it comes up with, right? And any more. But you catch my drift, right? And you go on to the next class. And then you learn, you know, whatever it is. Okay. 
my my point is what 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 purpose what what place in in a public school setting unless it's in like social studies right or civics class which is what it used to be or some political maybe in a may I could maybe see in an advanced uh higher grade you know political maybe a discussion class forum type thing that maybe you would talk about things like this. Other than that, what place would this type of now? And again, but at the same time, they're not, he's not describing what preemptive action. There's no description of what that would be, but you could imagine. But at the same time, my point is what place does that have in a public school setting? Well, it has no place in a public school setting. Obviously the article goes on and this is a quote. The anxiety is real. The reality is, is that some of these students, parents, are not documented, meaning, meaning, okay, that's doublespeak. They're not documented. What's that mean? Uh, what's that mean? I don't have any, do- I don't carry documents around. Who carries documents around with them? I mean, I often, well, I never carry documents. Well, not never. Sometimes, I guess, maybe. But I'm, I'm, all, I'm often undocumented myself. What the hell does that mean? Uh, you know what that means, ladies and gentlemen, or perhaps there are some out there that don't. That means they're illegal alien savages. There you go. Now I added the savage part. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. Now this is coming from Maureen Costello. She is the, now listen here, she's the director of the teaching tolerance program at the, wait for it, are you ready? The Southern Poverty Law Center. That's right. She went on to quote, they're uncertain about what can happen and how much power a president actually has. Well, that's the end of that was a, is a pretty good question or a, a good observation to have. And because presidents don't necessarily really have that much power, but I digress. It goes on. Now, again, you have to understand this is coming from Marine Costello. So now we have, uh, uh, and she's the director of this Teaching Tolerance, and that's the name of the program, Teaching Tolerance, Southern Poverty Law Center. She is where she's from. And now this is what is we have as attached to the public schools out here in Washington, at least to some degree, it appears. When some students leave, when some students leave Katie Hirschfield's classroom, the high school teacher knows there's a chance they may never return. <laughs> okay. And this is how they have to kind of amp it up and kind of, you know, get, get people to kind of maybe feel sorry for these savages, you know, because that's nonsense. We're not deporting anybody. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? <laughs> it ain't happening. Well, it should, but it isn't. So that's, yeah. Quote, I've had four or five students get up out of the classroom and walk out of school because they had have to pick up their little brothers and sisters and go gather the family members that are left, she said. Nonsense. Okay. Crap. Bull crap. It goes on, though. The article keeps getting better and better. The English teacher has a front row seat to the immigration sweeps that have torn undocumented Hispanic families apart in the Aberdeen School District. After a raid last year, one of Hirschfield's Hispanic students spent several weeks terrified. Hiding out in the car, the teacher said. Sure. The raids aren't new for the 30-year-long uh, teaching veteran, but the ways Hirschfield students have been responding to them... She blames, wait for it, the GOP presidential nominee. Of course, because he's a racist. 
Quote, I think Trump's rhetoric has brought out this layer of pervasive hatred and a real and a real and a real level of intolerance for wait for it. Diversity, said the teacher. Hirschfield is one of about 2000 K through 12 teachers nationwide who responded to the five question survey from the Southern Poverty Law Center about how the 20,000 or the 2016 presidential election is impacting students. Now, I posted a link to this, uh, what I'm reading from in the chat room. Perhaps you could check it out. And I could actually, let's see how much further this, the article goes on quite a ways, but I think you get the gist. There's a little video to it. You should really check it out. You know what? Because with the remaining time, I'm going to try and do this. This would be interesting. There's a link to the to this five-question survey from the uh, Southern Poverty Law Center. Well, let's just see what these questions are. Okay, here we go. The Trump Effect. Now, this is the title of this survey, The Trump Effect. Subtitle, The Impact of the 2016 Election on Nations on the Nation's Schools. Survey comments about the survey. These were, and it's very small. These verbatim comments come came in response to questions on a survey asking educators about the impact of the 2016 election campaign on students and schools. The survey was conducted by Teaching Tolerance, a project of the Southern Poverty Law Center from March 31st to April 2nd of 2016. So that's not a lot of time, but it, it, this is pretty recent. But what is that? Is a span of like three days? Hold on one second. I got to reach for my water. Okay, pardon me. A link to the survey was sent to educators who subscribed or who subscribed to the Teaching Tolerance newsletter. Jeez, wow. So they got a newsletter and teachers subscribed to it. Well, we should find out who those teachers are and get them out of there, okay? And get them the hell out of there. That's what we need to do. And also shared on Teaching Tolerance, blah, 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 blah. Okay, let's get to the uh, questions. Respondents were also able to provide free responses free responses to these to these five open-ended questions and again it's pretty small so let me just kind of reposition my device here i'm reading off of an ipad ladies and gentlemen because it works better than my laptop so so here we go okay here question one have you seen the rhetoric of this year's presidential campaign affect your students your school that was the first question again have you seen the rhetoric of this year's presidential campaign affect your students, your school? Question two, if you have witnessed bullying or biased language at your school from adults or students that mimics the rhetoric of the campaign, please tell us about it. That's not a question. Okay. Yeah. Their survey only has liberal scum that subscribe to the news. Yeah, exactly, Frank. But now the question two. And it's not really a question. Listen to this. If you have witnessed bullying or biased language at your school from adults or students that mimics the rhetoric of the campaign, please tell us about it. How is that a question? I encourage you all to go to this survey and you tell me, Frank, if you can pull up that survey, go to question two. Is that a question? That doesn't, that doesn't appear to be a question to me. Question three, have you changed the way you approach teaching about the election this year? If so, how? Question. Well, they have question five before question four. I don't know why, but that's how it appears in the survey. It goes Q1, Q2, Q3, 
Q5 than Q4, which, hey, I guess in new math, that's appropriate. And how ironic at the same time. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting that they put question five. Okay, never mind. Because like I said, one plus one, you know, it can equal whatever you think it equals there, Johnny, and you're going to get an A. Well, question four now is question five, and question five is question four, blah, blah. Okay. Whatever. Here's question four. Do you have, do you have additional comments? That's the, that's the question. Do you have additional comments? Then the last question is, what resources do you need to help you teach safely and effectively about the 2016 election? And again, that's not necessarily a question. Okay. These are, these are, to me, they're like directives or, or protocols or, or something here. These aren't really questions. Check it out for yourself, though. You tell me. Here's, and there's a little something at the end. It says, in the course of a week, almost 2,000 people responded to the survey. Collectively, they submitted over 5,000 comments. The comments are verbatim, except in cases where they contain personal, identifiable information, in which case that information has been removed. In other words, uh, has been stored somewhere else. So they, you know, they, they ain't getting rid of nothing. They want to know exactly who you are and what you're doing. Well, there you go. Pretty interesting, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, well, there's some comments, and they begin on the next page. And I don't know. Let's see here. Oh, well, this thing does go well. There's actually 237 pages to this survey. Interesting. And Okay, that's interesting. So, yeah, maybe you should go to this. Uh, maybe I should take some time. It's too bad that uh, I'm not going to be on the air tomorrow because I could go over this further. But for, perhaps, Frank... Uh, maybe you could take this up. It's pretty telling. I'm going on to the next page, and there's comments to each question. So the first question, again, was how have – I have a little bit of time here, not much. How have you seen the rhetoric of this year's presidential campaign affect uh, your students, your school? That was the first question. And then they, they're having some comments here. And the first comment is, no, but we are an elementary school. Pretty benign. Second comment, they hesitate to voice their opinions in respect for – the opinions of others and in fear of retribution. Sure. That now, right. You had to add that. The first part was okay. Yeah. Respect for others. What's wrong with that? Third comment. And they're not numbered in, in any particular order. Okay. Students from families supporting Republic Republican candidates, especially, but not limited to Trump have been much more vocal about their distrust of Muslims and president Barack Hussein Obama. They just say president Obama. Here's another comment, and I'm just kind of starting from the top, and I'm not cherry-picking any of these. This election cycle has become more than a joke. My immigrant students, illegal and legal, are asking questions that they tell me they are scared. The Republican rhetoric about walls and keeping them out is frightening. The lack of tolerance is appalling. Well, with that, because we're getting towards it, well, I maybe have time for one more. There has been an increase in bullying by way of accusing each other that they are Trump supporters to isolate them from the social groups, whatever that means. The language is a return to isolationism and a promotion of racism that hasn't been seen since the 1920s. We haven't addressed it head on yet. Some of the kids asked me who I voted for in the primary. I wore my I voted sticker to a group. Well, we know, you know, you know who these teachers are voting for. Kids are asking frightening questions rather than positive ones. Fear among Muslims and Latino students. 
My fourth graders are having a difficult time understanding why Donald Trump is using such hateful and inflammatory rhetoric. One of my students, who is Muslim, is worried that he will have to wear a microchip identifying him as a Muslim. Okay, I'll stop there. <sighs> That's the public schools, man, right there. And you want to talk about uh, a microchip, let's talk about a microcosm of what's going on all across this nation. You know, uh, because, like, the, you know, this is a national-based survey coming from the Southern Poverty Law Center. And their goal, we all know what their goal is. These are, these are Marxist, outright Marxists that despise America and despise American values. And, and more importantly, ladies and gentlemen, they despise Western culture. You know, yeah, the election this year is about, the, you know, has somewhat become about globalism versus nationalism. But it's also about Western culture. Western culture is, is, you know, is, you know, Muslims are not compatible with Western culture. Uh, Africans are not compatible with Western culture. We are our own culture. And that's oh, just almost lost my device there. And that's kind of a, a kind of a, a sub, you know, kind of thing, if you will, about what's kind of going on in this election right now. And we are. Ladies and gentlemen, we are at a precipice, I believe. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again, that this may be our last, you know, I hesitate to use the word free election, uh, but it may be, because they're ramping things up. Frank talked about it last night on his show, about maybe the Homeland Security Department taking over the elections and so forth. Anyway, I see I'm getting close to the end of the show. So I want to end, ladies and gentlemen. First of all, I want to thank each and every one of you for listening, and God bless all of you. And just remember this, because I say it, I say it every week, and I mean it, that you have to, wherever you are on God's green earth, you have to become a domestic terrorist. Because we are being bullied. You want to talk about bullying, we are being bullied by a federal government that just hates us and despises us and wants us dead. So become a domestic terrorist, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you are. Because at the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, freedom only comes from the sword. God bless you all. Talk to you next week. religious and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. 
Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. Messiah's Branch Prophecy Hour. We're broadcasting live from the Flint of Kansas, and we're on the American Voice Radio Network. Today's date is September 1st, 2016. <laughs>
Saints, the world is in turmoil. Most just don't realize it, but we are in that time of the end. And that's the time before Messiah's glorious return. So it's time to get out of sin, the world, and look to the holy city. Look to the one who suffered and died for you. Hear the sound of the shofar. Heed the warning. Get right now before it's too late. Please make this choice tonight. If you need help after this program, call me. I'll pray for you or with you. If you get the machine, please leave your name, your number, your prayer request, and or message. The phone number, of course, is 620-878-4682. 620-878-4682. And in emergency, my cell phone number is 316-619-4886. You know, you can always find the updates with the breaking news, our ministry, radio program archives, email address, and our mailing address on our blog, which is very simply prophecyhour.com. That's prophecyhour.com. Of course, you've got to put that www thing in front of it, but if you just Google prophecyhour.com or whatever search engine you use, I'm sure you'll pull it up. Our program archives can be found at prophecyhour.com and at a place called branch.potomatic.com. They're both smartphone-friendly. In fact, at branch.podomatic.com, they have an Apple app and an Android app. Um, And so get that, your smartphones. You don't even really need it because both are really smartphone-friendly. Check it out. Um, Now then, uh, let's move right on. Okay, also, uh, remember, we are a national satellite radio program, which is simulcast on the net internationally. So please pray about supporting airtime. And also, I challenge you to share this with at least two or three other people. You know, I want to thank our listener base that is worldwide in places like Helsinki, Finland, excuse me, Mexico City, Mexico, Mexicali, Baja, California, Mexico, Sargasa, Spain, Hyderabad or Bad, India, Mumbai, India, New Delhi, India, Vancouver, Canada, Calgary, Canada, Toronto, Canada, Winnipeg, Canada, Montreal, Canada. And I noticed today, or yesterday, actually, there's a couple more cities in Canada listening, and they all seem to be real close to the border. Does every, And I'm not picking on Canada, but does everybody live within the first 100 miles of the border in Canada? Well, anyway, that's the people that's listening to the radio programs. And, of course, in cities in the United States, such as Sacramento, California, Town and Country, Florida, Corpus Christi, Texas, Anaheim, California, Columbus, Ohio, Buffalo, New York, Washington, D.C., and Plano, Texas, Dallas, Texas. I could go on for a long time, as well as Wichita, Kansas, which still remains the largest group of listeners to our radio programs when they podcast later tonight. And you folks that listen to the podcast, I know that uh, in Wichita or listen, you know, and listen to the radio program, the point I'm getting at is, uh, you know, I was talking to somebody that is a supporter and does listen to me over in Wichita, and he came in the other day, and we were talking about it. And, and you know, what I, we brought up in our conversation is that we are in one of the worst parts of town over there. And so I don't blame people for being scared to come in there because I'm just different, but uh, most people are scared to be there. Um, but, you know, we, that's where we should be at is where the centers are and, you know, to help them. But anyway, uh, point being is, uh, drop in and see us if you're brave enough from Wichita, drop by and, and uh, give us a howdy duty. Anyway, now prayer will bring on tonight's guest. Dear Heavenly Father, in Yeshua HaMashiach's name I pray. Father, I pray that radio tonight goes according to your will, not my will, nor my guest's will. So please give us all ears and wish to hear the truth. 
Amen and amen. Well, our guest tonight is sir, <clears throat> has served in the last 30 years as a pastor, evangelist, and equipper in the ministry. And in the last several years, Steve, and that's who we're talking about, is Steve Henderson, has been called into the area of teaching prophecy. You know, this happens with a lot of people. You know, you gain it. I will tell you this. You start off when you're young and you think you know everything, and, and uh, the father has to take you up this hill and down the other, you know, and around. And when you get older, you start understanding things better, and you're willing to accept things better, especially if you think you're right about something. Then when you get a little bit older, you go, okay, well, you get a little more flexible. It's just a little more intelligent, a little more wisdom. But anyway, so his ministry is called the Sure Word of Prophecy. It has a mission to help believers to understand the Bible prophecy and prepare them for the return of Yeshua to provide an, provide an unarguable, <clears throat> I can never say that word, arguable presentation to unbelievers that there is indeed one who knows the end from the beginning, and that's how the word is, teaches the end from the beginning. In his vision, he shares prophetic word of the Bible with scoffers, agnostics, and atheists, providing them with evidence they need to turn them into a saving faith in Yeshua, our Messiah. And that's the Messiah of the world, if they would only accept him. You can check his website out at surewordprophecy.org, surewordprophecy.org. He says, due to recent developments and provocations of Iran against many in the Middle East and the West, he would like to revisit Daniel A. and give an important update as we move closer to the fulfillment of this end-time prophecy. And according to Steve, it is becoming much clearer based on evidence of current events that a war will soon commence between the West and Iran. I can concur that could happen at any time, especially with our troops overlapping um, in the Middle East. We also make, uh, might take note that author and watchman Richard Perry, who's been on this program many times, and, and he's been on, I mean, you know, clear back years since I first started the radio program. Richard Perry says that he expects the war to start with Iran before Obama leaves office. So is that two witnesses? Anyway, so let's welcome back now Steve Henderson. Are you there with me, Steve? Maranatha and shalom to you, Pastor Dan. Thanks again for the invitation. I always enjoy being on your program. Well, I enjoy hap having you on here, and I know the folks do because I can tell from the radio archives, you know, that they pick up your programs and listen to it continually. If they don't like you, they don't pick your programs up the next time you're on. <laughs> so so it, it's pretty easy choice. But I, I like having you on, and, and uh, you know why we don't agree on everything. You know, nobody agrees on everything, but... You do give some very sound things to talk about. Well, I appreciate your invitation, brother. I, I really feel um, that we are facing the, the final precipice of, uh, of the things that head into eternity, and it really excites me. Uh, but the reality of it all is we're facing uh, right now an unavoidable conflict with Iran, and i kind of like to share that with your group tonight. Uh, and if you allow me, I'll go ahead and just get right into it. Uh, let me start out with an article entitled, We Welcome War with the U.S. Uh, this was uh, back a couple days ago, uh, August 30th. And I'll lead out with this, and then we'll go on from there. The writer of this article, Robert Spencer, exclaimed, The details of Iran's ongoing war activities against the United States are unknown to most Americans. For years, Iranian leaders have been engaged in extreme bellicose rhetoric against the U.S. 
In the 35th anniversary of the Islamic Revolution, the Iranian Chief of Staff, Hossein Farzabadi, boasted, Iran is prepared for a decisive war against the U.S. and the Zionist regime. Iran has been making plans, conducting maneuvers, and preparing its forces for this battle for years now. The head of Iran's influential 12-member Guardian Council of the Constitution, Ayatollah Amajanati, further inflamed the Islamic Republic with these types of words. The Iman Khomeini said that the U.S. is a great Satan, and we expect Iranian officials to recognize the enemy. The U.S. is a great Satan yesterday and today. The first option on our table is death to America. The entire people's slogan is death to America. Another option on our table is the defense of Palestine. Other messages from the Iranian people to their officials are not to fear the enemy and not to fear death. Yes, uh, brother, I think that this ram that I see in the Daniel chapter 8 has become emboldened, and they are in our face uh, challenging us as we speak uh, this evening. Um, so what I'd like to do is take you back, uh, take the, the uh, listening audience back just a, a little bit back to where I first shared with you three years ago. I noted here it was about three years ago that I actually did three programs on Daniel Chapter 8. And I know you understand my position, but for those who may not have had the benefit of hearing those programs, I'd like to make a few observations, if you will, uh, concerning this prophecy and then get right to the heart of the matter, if you don't mind. Okay, go right ahead. Okay. <clears throat> Well, in, in my uh, estimation, brother, it's, it's one of the most ignored prophecies in Scripture, uh, in the entire Bible, in fact, uh, Daniel chapter 8. Yet it's one of the most important, and I believe it speaks of our day. I actually started on this study back in 1989 and have been watching this prophecy get much clearer, and now we're rapidly moving much closer to the fulfillment of Daniel's vision and Yeshua's return. And boy, I'm getting excited about it, and the kingdom of heaven is at hand, brother. What do you think about that? Yeah. <clears throat> Go yeah ahead. Hallelujah. Uh, as I examined these prophecies with great interest uh, when I began studying and coming into to the Lord, I noticed that Yeshua was sharing a panoramic view of what would take place before his return, that there was a distinct pivotal transition concerning a thing called the end. And Yeshua declared that before he would come back, chaos would be the normal uh, mode of things, and then he gave a list of signposts to watch for. And then he shifts his statements to words which clearly concern the end, and that's what led me into the study in Daniel. In Matthew chapter 24, the Savior clearly stated in his transitions, he said that he that endures to the end, they will be the ones that will be saved. And through these troublous times, the gospel will go over all the earth, and then the end would come. So here are two direct statements about the end. Then Yeshua alerts his followers that there will be something in the book of Daniel which would be eventually usher in the final day and deliverance to all that believe in him to eternal life. Yeshua specifically speaks in this manner. He said, When you therefore see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel, then he ended his statement, Whoever reads, let him understand. Pastor Dan, I, I wanted to read about this and understand it. And as I began to search for this event in Daniel's writings, I discovered the first clear reference to this event, which would bring in a desolation, was found in Daniel chapter 8. 
This event would be brought into sharp focus through a little horn power, and he would cause many to transgress against Yahweh through deceit. This event was labeled in chapter 8 of Daniel as a transgression of desolation. Let me say something. Sure. Um, you know, you hit on, uh, you know, I'm really intently listening to you because, you know, right now in our mission church, we're doing a, a prophecy study and we started out with Daniel. But um, so many, I'm glad you're pointing it out, there are so many people that are just stuck in the New Testament and then they're stuck just, and they will do Matthew, but they won't relate it back. What, folks, what he's giving you right now is really highly important as to this identification of, of the desolation. And I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I oh, wanted to point it out to the people. Thank, thank you, you, brother. Uh, I, I concur. It's, it's a very, very vital uh, thing that we need to be looking at right right now. And I don't think that we need to ignore it. I think we need to have ears to hear, because Daniel is, is writing about uh, an end-time vision in Daniel chapter 8. And before I, uh, I get into this entire vision, I'd like to offer just a couple of observations, if you will, brother. Uh, number one, uh, Daniel's writings would not be clearly un- understood until the end, and that's how I understand the book of Daniel. Daniel was told after receiving his visions to fill up the words and close up the book until the time of the end. Then at the time of the end, the book would become unsealed and knowledge of the prophecies would increase. Uh, before the end of chapter 12, Daniel appeals to the one about whom he had seen, uh, and he didn't understand what he saw in the visions. And then Daniel was told, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed up until the time of the end. And then he adds at that time, Many shall be purified, made white, and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked will understand, but the wise shall understand. Thus, that's the Yeshua statement, Whoever reads, let him understand. And he's pointing to the abomination of desolation, and he points it to the end of time. And at the end, this book would become unsealed, and knowledge of these prophecies would increase. Pastor Dan, it's imperative that we place these prophecies where they belong. Daniel's visions open up at the end, and the wise will understand what is being said here. Friends, Daniel chapter 8 is a vision that refers to the end. And how do I know this? Well, I'd like to take you over and see what the angel Gabriel says about the vision before we dig in to the specifics. In the context, Daniel was frightened about what he saw in Daniel chapter 8, and at the moment, the angel Gabriel was summoned to help Daniel understand when the vision would take place. Starting with chapter 8 and verse 16, we read Daniel's account. And I quote, And I heard a man's voice between the banks of the Uli, who called and said, Gabriel, Make this man to understand the vision. So he came where I stood, and when he came, I was afraid and fell on my face. And he said to me, Understand, son of man, that this vision refers to the time of the end. Gabriel then reiterates the time and again in verse 19, and he, Gabriel tells Daniel one more time, Look, I'm making you to know what shall happen in the latter time of the indignation, for at the appointed time, the end shall be. Then after Daniel receives the vital information about the specifics of the ones who are in the vision, he's told in verse 26, and the vision of the evenings and the mornings, which is told is true. Therefore, fill up the vision, for it refers to many days in the future. 
So very evidently, within the framework of Daniel chapter 8, three times it, 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 it says that it's an end-time vision. This would not apply to something that would happen way back in history, but at the end of time, we would understand this, this vision because of the very circumstances and players that are involved, the, 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 the events would speak loud and clear that we are facing the end. So let's stop here for a minute and draw a couple of conclusions. There's an appointed time when the prophecy will be understood. At the end, the vision will become clear, and to those who read it, they will understand. And at the end, many will burn back and forth in the prophecies of Daniel, and knowledge of these prophecies will bring great light to those who read it. Okay, so now let's build on the foundation, Pastor Dan, uh, that we've laid here. So we understand Daniel 8 is an end-time vision according to the angel. Now, Daniel sees a ram standing at a certain geographical location. The ram is standing at a river. It is at the confluence of where the Tigris and Euphrates rivers join together, just north of where the Persian Gulf lies. This is where Iran and Iraq meet together. This ram has two horns. One horn appears first, and then the larger horn comes in and joins the first horn. They then begin to bully the region, and Iran begins to launch out in three different directions. Apparently, the other countries in the regions cannot do anything to stop this belligerent ram, and because of the ram's aggression, it brings attention to another entity that's pictured in the vision. This is identified as a goat. On this goat's forehead is a great horn. This goat comes across the surface of the whole earth from the west, a specific geographical location. The goat is enraged at what the ram is doing, so it decides to travel across the west, across the surface of the whole earth, and take out this ram. The prophet sees this goat traveling through the air. It's not, it's not traveling on the ground. It's, it's, it's coming through the air. And there's a troubling confrontation, and the goat with a great horn wins this war and becomes even greater after the war. Then, suddenly, the prophet sees the great horn break. When the great horn breaks, it affects the whole planet toward the four winds of the heavens. And it breaks up into four horns, and then out of one of them comes a little horn who slips in and gains the world's trust by his deceitful ways, thus creating the abomination that ushers in uh, desolation. The ram is standing in between Iran and Iraq. There is no room, brother, for misinterpretation here, in my opinion. The ram is identified as a Medes and Persians in verse 20 of chapter 8. Put them at the end where Gabriel does, and you will find Iraq and Iran. According to the, the book in the, in the Daniel, Darius the Mede was in Babylon at the time Daniel was still writing his prophecies. In ancient Babylon is now where Iraq is centered, and Iran is Persia and always has been and is still known as the ancient Persian Empire. So, and according to the geographical location, we have no room for doubt. This ram is standing right in between Iraq and Iran when this goat becomes infuriated at what the ram is doing. According to this prophecy, Iran and Iraq will be front and center in the news at the time of the end. Are you following me, brother, on this? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm listening to you real intently. Um, I don't have any disagreement in the ram at all. Um, that is the area, and we've just been sitting in And like most people do, you know, at, at our mission church, what we do is we put up maps, you know what I'm saying, ancient maps, 
and compare them with modern day maps is what I believe every student should do. And the area you're talking about is absolute. Okay, thank you, brother, for that confirmation. Um, so now let's go into what is happening in the news, and uh, this should alarm anyone who understands these processes. First of all, I want to offer up some background information to bring us to the present crisis just ahead of us. Um, let's start uh, just briefly, and I'm going to try to move real quickly here because I've got a lot of stuff to share with you. I want to take you back to the revolution that began in Iran from a backlash against westernizing and secularizing efforts of a western U.S.-backed Shah in, uh, in Iran. Uh, uh, in 1979, uh, the Shah had to leave uh, Iran in ex exile as the last Persian monarch, uh, leaving his duties to a regency council and an opposition-based prime minister, and a revolution re was replaced uh, with the monarchy of the, char uh, the Shah with Islamism and uh, the Ayatollah Khomeini. Um, he was invited back to Iran by the government, who was in exile for many years, around 15, if I remember, and eventually, uh, Iran created a caliphate and an Islamic Republic and called the Islamic Republic of Iran. Later on that year, a group of Iranian students belonging to the Muslim student followers of Iman's line who supported the Iranian revolution took over a U.S. embassy in Tehran. And it was an Iran hostage crisis that was a diplomatic crisis between the Iran and the United States. Steve, we're going to have to go to break in about 30 seconds or something. Okay. Um, how about you give your website, and sure. we'll come back and listen to some more about this. Absolutely. Uh, my uh, website is surewordprophecy.org. And I would encourage you to, uh, I do have a presentation over there uh, under interesting, I'm sorry, under presentations, that's called uh, The Coming Prophetic Showdown, Iran, the West, and, uh, and Israel. And I encourage you to, to watch that in lieu of this here. Okay, folks, make sure you go uh, check him out, SherwoodProphecy.org, and we'll be back in three minutes. right back. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. People realize.
realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. ABR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. This is Pastor Dan Catlin, and you're listening to the Messiah's Branch Prophecy Hour on the American Voice Radio Network. Well, folks, uh, this is a part of the program where I, I always ask you to pray about a donation for work with the homeless and poor from our mission church in Wichita, Kansas. You know, um, I had a supporter come in this week and talked a little bit about it to first the program. I had a supporter come in this week, and we talked over why people, you know, in Wichita, why I have such a big listing uh, crowd over there, but not very many people show up. You know, in fact, it's real pretty much rarity for somebody from Wichita to pop in the door. Well, I really think it is just uh, that it's because of the part of town that we're in, because we are in one of the worst parts of town. And, and let me tell you what, that in that neighborhood, that if you don't look like you belong, you could get a stand a good ch- chance of one of two things. You could either get possibly mugged, robbed, or you could even get um, hassled by the police because they want to know what somebody like you is doing over there. Um, me, they're used to, you know what I'm saying? They, they know my vehicles and, and uh, in and out. And, 
you know, it is still Broadway and Kellogg. It's not saying that you can't come down there safely, but I see why people are paranoid of it. But, folks, really, you, you come over there in the daytime, it, it, it's safe. You walk in the back door and say, or say to anybody, say, hey, you know, where's Pastor Dan at? And they'll direct you right to me. And uh, so if you want to drop in and say hi, it is safe. But why are we in that part of town? You know, when I moved into that part of town, even some of the homeless said, Pastor Dan, man, you know where you're moving to? And I said, yeah. And they said, well, you know, is that safe for you? And it has been safe. Um, I believe that that the the Father directs me in what I do, and I believe that I've got a big guardian angel. And so, you know, but anything could happen to anybody anywhere. But that's where I'm needed at. We help the poor and the homeless. There's a lot of poor people in that neighborhood we help out. There's a lot of, and you know, we don't have a lack of people coming in the door for help. Pregnant women and, and women with children and families, you know, um, men, women, and children. Everybody, when I'm, they mention my ministry, they always say, well, Pastor Dan, he just takes care of the homeless. Homeless and poor. We take care of poor people that, you know, can't keep, uh, they just barely keep it a roof over their heads because of Obama's economy. And, you know, they're working, some of them are working two or three jobs even, and they just, you know, don't make enough money. And so these people come in looking for food, clothing, over-the-counter medications, and, you know, now it's wintertime. We need blankets. You folks in Wichita could really help out if you would get, uh, score some blankets because you wouldn't have to mail them or anything. You could just drop them off with us. Call me and let me know. We'll arrange it. You know, even if I need to to meet with you at a special time and you don't want to come to the neighborhood, I can send somebody to meet you to get the blankets if you don't feel safe. So um, we need blankets, over-the-counter medications, Bibles, King James Version, large print Bibles. You can pick those up in many different stores. The dollar store, the last couple of years, that's when we used to get them for 10 bucks a piece. Um, they quit carrying Bibles for some reason, um, at least where that we could see where they used to keep large prints. But Sam's has them. They're $15, and they're a really nice Bible. So pray about it, you know. Um, we also need help for food, clothing, bills. It's the first of the month. Not all the bills have been paid. We're expecting a ch- We always get a, a donation from one ministry in Texas that has been donating for years, and we usually pay the mission electric and, and a couple other mission bills with it. Well, that check hasn't got here yet, and maybe because the weekend it got tied up, sometimes it's late, but the bills need to be paid now. So pray about a donation. You know, we really do need your help. You know, we're the last hope for so many. And, folks, remember, we are responsible to care one for another, as we are a brother's keeper. All donations, no matter what size, helps. And the Father notices all donations that come from where? Your heart. If you don't wish to help with the poor, consider a donation for radio airtime. You know, you're listening to it. And, you know, I bring you different guests. And, and you know, I even bring different opinions. Well, I don't put a lot of pre-trib rapture people or very little at all on here. I do people that have different versions of Bible prophecy and put it on here because, you know, I don't claim to know 100% but I put on people that are reasonable. And, uh, and like tonight, you have a good guest on, Steve Henderson. The next program on tonight at 7 o'clock, you're going to have Joel Richardson. And so um, these are very good guests. And, you know, so pray about it. If you're blessed by these programs, donate to radio. 
when you make a donation to radio, all you got to do is market radio, and it will go for radio instead of the homeless and poor. So pray about it. We really could use your help, and we could use it tonight, today, whatever, whenever you hear this message. Okay, you can donate online or mail a check or money order, and you can find all that information at ProfSayHour.com or call me at 620-878-4682. And just to see if you're all listening to us, try Messiah's branch.com besides branch.com that is simply just some radio archives that i put up there simple i want to see how you like it messiah's branch.com see what you think of it anyway and now we're back if he hasn't went anywhere with steve henderson are you there with me steve i'm here brother and uh thank you for your ministry uh we might be the only bible they read and if you're uh extending your heart and hands like the heart and hands of uh, jesus He'd be down there in the, in the middle of that, that area you're talking about, and uh, he, he loved them right where they were at. And uh, God bless you for your ministry. And I would encourage your listeners to, to please make a donation. I, I concur with that, brother. And uh, thank you uh, for your, your modeling uh, uh, with the living book. You know, and that, uh, that's really important uh, to those who have their hard, uh, their hard, hardened hearts. Uh, the only way you're going to soften that heart is through uh, an act of love like you're doing. And I know you're so many seeds for the kingdom, brother, and, uh, and I appreciate that. Thank you. Now, let's get back into this interesting Bible prophecy. Okay, time. let's do it. Um, I just kind of, you want to kind of move forward uh, in, in little segments, but, uh, you know, with the time that I have, uh, you know, I kind of like to mention what how the, how the anti-American rhetoric happened through the hostage uh, deal where there were, you know, for 444 days the United States had... Uh, some hostages there in Iran, and that was a turning point of an anti-American mindset. It was it worsened through the following decades. And remember, in order for Daniel's vision to be fulfilled, Iran and Iraq would have to make headlines in the news in the world news. And something was shaping up here uh, through all of this. Uh, right during that same time in 1980, uh, Iran-Iraq war began to uh, break out when Iraq invaded Iran. And uh, it, it followed a, a history of border disputes and was motivated by fears of the, of the Iranian Revolution in 1979 would inspire insurgency among Iraq's long-expressed Shia majority. And, and so what happened was a, a massive conflict took place between the two uh, over territory. And in fact, a lot of the focus was around the same area where Daniel saw the ram pushing along that uh, taking control of that waterway, not the shallow waterway that traveled into the Persian Gulf at the confluence of the Tigris and Euphrates rivers. That's where the, the, the territory was. Whoever take control of that river would have be a regional superpower. And shortly after this war, I began to look at the prophecy and wonder how in the world would these two countries ever get together. But according to the book of Daniel, it would, it would have to happen. Uh, the two horns would eventually have to unite and begin to get aggressive. And that would take a miracle to put both these two together, because this is a bitter ordeal for both countries. The war cost uh, on both sides and lies the economic damage. Uh, half a million Iraqi and Iranian soldiers were killed, with an equivalent number of civilians and uh, are believed to have died, uh, which much more injured. And there was an extensive use of chemical weapons and, and sulfur mustard gas by the Iraqi government against Iranian troops civilians and the Kurds, and so they were, there's a bitter, they were bitter enemies. And so in order for them to get together, it would just be an almost impossibility at that particular time to see that happen. In 1991, Saddam went back down to Kuwait. We, we all know what happened there. A coalition from the West, led by the great nation of the United States, went down, pushed Saddam back, 
And then, uh, you know, the, the coalition for the West, mainly NATO and Great Britain, led by the United States, uh, pushed Saddam back, turned the clock back up to uh, September 11, 2001, the attacks of the uh, World Trade Center. Uh, somehow or other, Saddam was implicated. In 2003, we went in uh, another uh, coalition from the West, uh, with a great nation leading the way again, uh, went in and took out Saddam Hussein. And through this, the two horns in Daniel began to unite together. Remember, in the, in the prophecy in Daniel 8, in 3 and 4, the ram has two horns, and the two horns were high. One was higher than the other, and the higher one came up last. And the, and the two would have to get together, and then, it, then once they did, they would begin to push and get aggressive. Well, through the toppling of Saddam in 2003 by U.S. and coalition forces, it constituted a historic opportunity for Iran to expand its influence in Iraq and to transform it from an enemy into a partner or ally. And since the fall of Saddam Hussein in 2003, Iran's strategy has been to unite Iraq Shiite parties so they can translate their demographic weight into political influence, thereby consolidating Shiite primacy in, in the Baghdad and Tehran, uh, uh, both uh, uniting together. And they placed a, uh, a, a uh, Shiite president of uh, Iranian influence, Nuri uh, al-Maliki, in 2005. And then it just went, went and the, 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 uh, the uh, man, uh, Mohammed Sadar, Sadar was, um, was a popular anti-American um, um, in the Ahmadi army in, in militia in Iraq. And he was uh, uniting Iraq and Iran together in common goals. He had left uh, Iraq for a while, and then back uh, in, um, he fled in 2007, and he came back in uh, around 2011. And it was during that time that Iraq and Iran really began to consolidate their forces together. In a recent in an article in, in 2011 uh, from Los, Ange Los Angeles Times, the article says, U.S. military, uh, uh, as U.S. prepares to leave, Iran's shadow looms large. And it says U.S. military officials warn that Iran will fill the vacuum created by Americans after they, uh, the, the troops depart. And it says this, as the last U.S. troops pack up and leave Iraq by the end of the next month, Pentagon officials and senior military commanders are warning that Iran will push to fill a power vacuum created by the American exit unless Washington limits its pullback from the region. In Iraq and other trouble spots, Iran is handing out money and weapons, often in secret, and in an effort to expand its clout and stay ahead of the political changes sweeping the region since the start of the Arab Spring. Uh, another article, U.S. Uh, on verge of losing Iraq completely to Iran. An American General uh, McIrhenny uh, said it's a very dangerous situation and it's perilous. And it, in this article it exclaims, escalating protests in Baghdad threaten the Iraqi uh, government as Shiite Muslim factions battle for control for the country. And retired U.S. Fort uh, Lieutenant Tom McElhinney says Iran could soon wield all the power in Iraq unless U.S. changes course in significant ways. It says you have a combination of Iranian Shiite and Iraqi Shiite competing as to who controls the government and who controls Iraq. That's the bottom line of what's going on over here right now. Uh, when we pulled out, this administration fundamentally gave Iraq to Iran, uh, Merck and he said. 
Now, the Iraqi government is feeling much greater heat from Shiite factions, more loyal to Iran than to Baghdad, in addition to the threat posed by ISIS in the north. ISIS still controls Mosul with other swaths of territory in Iraq and still within striking distance of the capital. What happened, brother, was that the, the, Iran came in, filled the vacuum when the, uh, the United States Army left, and now they are working side by side against a common enemy called ISIS. And we all understand what's been going on right there. Um, but article after article after article, here's one that says out of the uh, Iran news, popular forces representative, Iran owes existence, I'm sorry, Iraq owes existence to Iran and General Soleimani. Uh, in this article it says, a representative of Iraqi volunteer forces appreciate Iran and Islamic Republic Guards Corps Cuts Force Commander, the Major General Ghassan Soleimani, for assisting his country in the campaign against terrorism and safeguarding his territorial uh, uh, integrity. Uh, in June 2016, Foreign Minister uh, of Iraq says Iranian General Soleimani in Iraq at Baghdad's demand. It says they invited him in to Baghdad to help with their fight against ISIS. Uh, another article, July 24, 2016, Iran-Iraq discuss anti-terrorism corp um, cooperation. Uh, the Iranian ambassador and Iraqi parliamentary speaker uh, met on Baghdad on Sunday and discussed mutual cooperation in the war against tourism and extremism. And uh, it says that during the meeting in the Iraq capital today, these two leaders underlined the need for collective efforts by all Muslim countries, especially Iraq and Iran, to uproot terrorism in the region. I think it's pretty amazing that here is the top state sponsor of terrorism in the world fighting against terrorism with Iraq in the, in the region now, and they're called a, a, a you know regional power now, the Iran and Iraq together. And the two sides warned against the rising threat of terrorism endangering global peace and security. So here we find uh, Iraq and Iran together now. In fact, this article just recently, August 16, 2016, out of Fox News says, U.S. officials say that up to 100,000 Iran-backed fighters are now in Iraq. This article propagates as many as 100,000 Iran-backed Shiite militia are now fighting on the ground in Iraq, according to U.S. military officials raising concerns that that should uh, be the uh, should the Islamic state be defeated it will only be replaced by another anti-american force that fuels further sectarian violence in the region this is daniel 8 uh, to his ultimate the effect of the obama administration's policy has been to replace american boots on the ground with iranians and as iran advances one anti-american actor is being replaced with another and it then propagates the U.S. military also confirming that Russian bombers are now flying into Syria from a base in Iran. The growth could create greater risk for Americans in the country. At least one Iran-backed group vowed earlier this year to attack U.S. forces supporting the Iraqis. And that's, uh, that's what's really happening is now they have an anti-American sentiment, not only with Iran, but with Iraq also, and they, they have both been threatened. Uh, here's an article uh, entitled, U.S. Unaware of Iran's Plans to Build Missile Base in Iraq. Can you believe this? Here we're finding that Tehran launched construction 
of a large missile base in the Syrian coastal mountain region in Iraqi Kurdistan, which reportedly aims to protect the religious borders of Iran. Here's another article. Iraq Shiite militias say U.S. troops, forces of occupation demand withdrawal. Here they're saying, you guys, the U.S. needs to get out of, uh, of our ter- territory. We don't, uh, we don't appreciate you being here any longer, so get on out. Uh, here's another article, June 1st, 2016. The Americans use excessive force. We don't need their help in libera- liberating Fallujah. Uh, in this article, it says the American axis can go to hell. The, American, mm. the Iranian brothers, uh, headed by dear brother uh, Qasem Soleimani, came here at the request of the Iraqi government. This was done in agreement with the general commander of the armed forces of Iraq. These people did not sneak in here, but the general commander of the armed forces said, Solomon's pictures are in the battlefield. Um, so here let we me find... give you something. Hey, sure. let me give you something real quick. Um, I don't know if you noticed this today, but you know they're all talking about the loopholes now that that we gave them, and in fact, it said uh, it said U.S. agreed secret exemptions for Iran on nuclear deal. We've empowered them even to be be more uh, to be able to you know be on the road to a nuclear bomb. So I do have a question for you in all this. Yes. Um, Obama seems to gave away the farm to Iran right now, and he even gave money to get our soldiers back. Do you believe that the you say a coming war? And I believe that we're we're going to go to war with Iran. My question to you is this: Is this? Do you think that would happen under this administration, or because he's so appeasing to him, or do you think it'll be the next? Or do you have no thought? Well, I I uh, I believe that it would be a see what's going to create this this war is something that happens initiated by Iran. Okay, so when uh, and, and as we go through this, we find out that they've spread the, the Iran has spread its tentacles throughout the Middle East and Yemen into Syria, into Iraq. Uh, they're they're down in Iran. They're 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 pushing. they in fact right now they just threatened Turkey right. to get out. Uh, so they are taking, and along with the Russian alliance, you know, it could be just any time. And, you know, it's, it's hard to predict the timing here, but it would seem to me like while America is preoccupied with this Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton uh, uh, presidential election, that, that it would be a good time for them to, to swift and shift gears and do something that, uh, and I know that the, the focus, and by the way, it's something else that we need to, to note here, brother, is that. This, this is connected to something that's going to happen to Israel, okay? Right. And, you know, as they're shooting missiles off with uh, Israel's name on them over there, uh, inciting, uh, you know, the, the, the hatred. Now, it could be something that Israel initiates, okay, out of self-preservation. Right. Uh, and these are, I mean, there's just so much to, to, to add to well, your question ab- here. Absolutely. I, I just wanted to see what you said, because I, I have another brother by the name of Richard Perry that's an author and everything, and he's predicting this war to happen before Obama leaves office. And it could be very possible, especially maybe if Trump uh, became president, that they figure it would be a president that would have an iron hand, so to speak. We don't know, but uh, I do feel it, it's like right on the edge. But uh, I'll let you finish. you got about four minutes. We sure are. We sure are on the verge of something uh, very decisive. Um, I, you know, I hate to. Uh, I wouldn't want to make that prediction uh, that would happen before the election, but it's coming, brother. I know that much. Um, here's an article: Iran presidential advisor, whole Middle East is Iranian. Uh, there's a, a, a brother that says uh, the geography of Iran and Iraq cannot be divided 
and it urges national unification in the region. And uh, speaking at a Tehran forum entitled Iran, Nationality, History, and Heritage, Hassan Rouhani's special assistant for minorities, Al-Yafini, said that Iran and neighboring Iraq were inseparable in response to alarm in Saudi Arabia over Islamic Republic's expansionism in the region. At the moment, Iraq is not only the bastion of our civilization, it is also our identity, culture, and capital, and is now, is now true as it was in the past. The geography in Iran and Iraq cannot be divided, uh, Yusani, a former intelligence minister, added, just out of Times of Israel. So what we find is it's a fulfillment of the prophecy where the two get together, and then they begin to spread their tentacles and begin to push into uh, the different regions. And here is an article just uh, a few days ago entitled, Saudi and Persian Gulf States Share Israel's Concern About Iran's Hegemony. Uh, Foreign Ministry Director uh, Dora Gold of Israel said, Arab leaders are laying out a case against Iranian actions, and we are seeing expressed over and over by Arab leaders. The Iranian interference is considered to be a threat to a number of countries in the region. Uh, and uh, their interference includes support for terrorism, promoting chaos, and political interference. The goal is to achieve Persian domination over Abraism with the use of revolutionary guards and Hezbollah and the other uh, prodigies such as Hamas, Islamic Jihad. They're being supported by this number one terror network. And what, it, what they plan on doing is taking over and ex- expanding the Islamic Republic throughout the Middle East, and then uh, taking down America. And this something they are going to do is going to make this great nation from the West very, very mad. And when, when whatever they do, it's going to allow them to come over swiftly from the air uh, and, and come down on, uh, on those countries there. And, and when it's all done and said, uh, America will be the victor in this thing. But then once the, the war commences, and the Iran and Iraq are, are, are broken down, it will break both its horns, then the great horn of the, of the uh, prophecy, the great nation, it's called a nation in Daniel chapter 8, out of that nation will come four uh, when, the, when the great horn breaks. And, you know, uh, we've been looking for a prophecy uh, related to the United States, and surely, as great a nation as this is, surely it's somewhere in the book. And I think at the end, the book of Daniel will become sealed, and we would understand who this great nation from the West would be and who this ram would be. And when they get in this conflict, start counting the days, because we're getting ready to go home, brother. Hallelujah. Well, amen. Amen. Um, well, it's a good version. You know, um, you got you have more of this at your – I know sure you didn't I have – I mean, you jumped all around. So it's at where? Your website? Yes, I do have a presentation on video. You can go and click to it. It's free. Uh, just jump over there to the presentation tab. Hit uh, the prophetic showdown, Israel West and Iran. Uh, there's about a 90-minute presentation I've done uh, back in November of 2015. But everything's happening so rapidly, brother. I need to be doing another one uh, because uh, just uh, everything is just shaping up so quickly. 
And, uh, you know, I think we really need to take a good, honest look at it. And so get you it out have, of history well, let me ask you real quick before, before you go, because we're going to have to, you're going to have to get out of here in a second. So you have enough for another program already? Oh, most definitely. Yeah. I, I haven't even touched the surface. I wanted to get into, uh, okay, well, I'll, I'll send you a date, um, after radio, after my final radio program tonight, but I got to get out of here now, but Steve, we'll have you back on so you can, you, you can fill it out. But right now I got to tell you goodbye and be blessed because we're at you, the end. You sure bless you, brother. Love you, man. Bye. All right. Be blessed. Well, folks, um, you know, a lot of people say that the United States is not really listed much in the Bible. That's what Joel Richardson said as our next speaker. But I don't know. Daniel's prophecy um, does say specifically that it would be sealed till the time of the end. That's why we bring you some different people with different views. Any way you look at it, we are about to go, I, I think we're very close to a war with Iran in the whole middle. I think we're at the time of the end. That's the point. That's the point of this program. Pray about supporting this radio program. Pray about um, supporting the Wichita Mission Church and make sure you turn in and in from an hour from now. But you must remember there is only one God. He is your father. He's a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. His son is Yeshua, HaMashiach. He gave his life for repented sins. He rose after what? three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Through him is the only way to the Father. Why would he say three days and three nights if it wasn't three days and three nights? You need to get this right. Folks, we have the feast coming up, and we're going to do something on that soon. But remember, always, always, always be a blessing to others. Lord our God, Father, King Universe, I ask in Yeshua HaMashiach's name that the Father blesses and keeps you, and his face shines upon you and is gracious to you and gives you peace like no one or nothing else can. Until an hour from now, this is Pastor Dan saying goodbye and shalom. You've just heard the Messiah's Branch broadcast featuring Pastor Dan. To contact Dan on the Internet, go to messiahsbranch.org. To write to Dan, send a note to Messiah's Branch, 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas. 66851. Tune in next time for Messiah's Branch. Food prices going up, homes being foreclosed, unemployment insurance running out, jobs leaving the country. Many people cannot afford to eat or keep a roof over their head. Too many can do neither. Messiah's Branch has a mission church in Wichita, Kansas that helps the victims bankers economy the american people your neighbors the mission is the last hope for so many americans we need your help to lift up the poorest of the poor these are men women and children who once had homes now in the street they all need what you need first aid beds food clothing and so on you can send a monetary online by going to wichitahomeless.com or simply call 316-619-4886. 316-619-4886. The 
political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. Financial obligations or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out? When life is too much to handle, use Apothecary Herbs Emotional Stress Formula. Feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope. Complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee. You've waited long enough. Call Apothecary Herbs now. Toll free 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Pandemics will be a part of our future. The question is, how do we protect ourselves? Are you willing to put your trust in an untested vaccine, hoping it kills mutating viruses? Remember, in 1976, health officials tried to inoculate Americans with swine flu, and there was a 300% death rate for those inoculated, and millions were paid out in damages. God gave you a sophisticated immune system, and in times of need, you can make it 10 times stronger. So there's no need to panic. Just get prepared. Call Apothecary Herbs to order your upgraded pandemic kit. You will have eight professional strength formulas offering broad-spectrum immune-boosting protection. Take a stand. Have a plan. Have peace and request your pandemic kit today. Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free, 866-229-3663, or online, thepowerherbs.com. That's 866-229-3663, or thepowerherbs.com. If you have a heart condition and emergency rooms and medical doctors are not an option, you need our emergency heart attack kit. Five concentrated liquid formulas enter the system in 60 seconds to protect your heart muscle, strengthen heartbeat, increase circulation, relieve pain, and make breathing easier. When seconds count, you want all the help you can get with our emergency heart attack kit. Easy to use and portable in a one-pound compact kit for your purse, briefcase, or car. Call Apothecary Herbs now for your emergency heart attack kit, toll-free, 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom
Live. I'm your resident herbalist, Wendy Wilson. Hope you had a great day. We're here to empower you. That's what we like to do here on Herb Talk. Magical engineer Frank and I got a great show, and thanks for joining us on the American Voice Radio Network. We are going to be hitting that asthma topic today, but um, we have some new details that are just really exciting to know about. Just really great stuff. Um, Hang with me. You'll see what I mean. We are going to be looking at ways to sidestep the asthma problem. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Also, we're going to be talking about some ancient sources. And if we get time, you know what? It's almost apple season. So we're going to be talking about uh, one of um, those fruits, the apples, that can really help us out. So we got a lot to talk about and a quack report. But before we get to all that great stuff, big salute and semper fi to our righteous men and women in uniform. Praying for them, praying for America, praying for you and me, praying for the American voter to uh, vote God's will. Mm? That's what we need to pray for is God's will. See, God hears those prayers that are within his will. That's a secret in Scripture. If you open the book, you'll read about it. Also, I have my devotional, and today's devotional is, There is no place so desolate that you cannot find me there. When Hagar fled her mistress, Sarah, into the wilderness, she thought she was utterly alone and forsaken. But Hagar encountered me in the desolate place. There she addressed me as the living one who sees me. And through that encounter with my presence, she gained courage to return to her mistress. So no set of circumstances could ever isolate you from my loving presence. Not only do I see you always, I see you as a redeemed saint, gloriously radiant in my righteousness. And that is why I take great delight in you and rejoice over you with singing. And that is a synopsis from Genesis 16, Psalms 139, and uh, Zephaniah, uh, Zephaniah 3. So if you just check it out in the scripture, draw near to the Lord, hit the knee, seek the Lord's face, mind time, it grows short. And you'll be so glad you did. And without further ado, let's do the quack report. Thank you, Frank. Okay, um, got the Labor Day weekend coming up, right? Everybody ready for that? Yeah? All right. I'll, you know, be safe out there. All right. First up in the quack report, um, here's a report. Let's see. This is research study done at the University of Alabama in Birmingham. More parents are refusing vaccinations, but the reasons they're refusing them are changing, according to this report. So parents who refuse or delay the vaccines, their uh, reasons for that have changed, according to the study. The researchers surveyed 627 pediatricians in 2013, asked them whether their patients' parents had ever refused a vaccine or wanted to delay them, and uh, when they did, Uh, They did a survey follow-up from a year earlier. So the researchers in 2013 say 87% of the pediatricians they surveyed encountered uh, parents who refused vaccines uh, or delayed them. Um, It was up 75% from 2006. Uh, Then, again, when they surveyed again, they said there was another 10% increase from 2006 to 2013. So... um, the reason they're giving is, get this, the parents just don't think the vaccines are necessary. End of story. Well, it works for me. Uh, moving along in the quack report. 
We have some gender-neutral fragrances now. Companies are beginning to do get rid of the gender stereotype with a lot of their products, and fragrances is one of them. Uh, in the 90s, Calvin Klein experimented with these pioneer fragrances that appealed to both men and women. Um, so they call them eccentric molecules that be, have become a phenomenon disregarding gender boundaries. Okay? So, yeah, fragrances getting in on that. Moving along, uh, let's see, uh, anybody here eat late at night? Well, according to some research here, um, coming out of, what is it, Italy, Rome, okay, Society of Cardiology in Rome, they say that um, their study of 700 people who ate late at night uh, who also had high blood pressure, um, their blood pressure didn't drop before going to bed. So they say the blood pressure usually drops 10%. When a person goes to sleep, but if you eat late at night, it doesn't drop. Uh, so um, they're worried about people with high blood pressure that may eat too late. Um, they think it has something to do with stress hormones that are released when you eat later. Uh, so they're telling people to be careful. Uh, researcher Dr. Ospelt, uh, he says the results from the European Society of Cardiology in Rome says if we eat late at night, the body essentially remains on high alert as during the day rather than relaxing for sleep. Hmm. Well, you know, don't Europeans eat late, right? They have that siesta. Uh, you know, Spain, you know, they have that siesta from, what, 1 to 3, and then they go back to work and they work to, like, what, 7, and then they have dinner. I don't know. Last but not least in the quack report, um, this is a report, let's see, oh, um, out of Rutgers. Goodness. I, this title just grabbed me. What do you think of this? It says that um, uh, they're trying to instruct students on college campuses uh, to avoid microaggression statements. Uh, students in at least one of Rutgers University's resident halls are being encouraged to use only the language that is helpful and necessary so they avoid committing microaggressions. Committing a microaggression. Uh, so part of the school's, quote, language matters campaign includes a handwritten definition of three types of microaggressions, as well as a flyer listing potential offensive words and phrases. So they instruct the students to ask themselves whether their choice of words are true, helpful, inspiring, necessary, and kind before they speak them. This is being adopted on a lot of campuses, I hear. So uh, uh, I don't know. Is there going to be, like, new legislation on a federal level for all 50 states that, you know, you could be, I guess, fined as a misdemeanor of a microaggression? You committed a microaggression. You know, what happened to sticks and stones, right, can break my bones, but names can never hurt me. People need thicker skin. And that wraps the quack report. Yeah, just another, you know, censorship, you know, strategy, you know, take away your opinion. All right, we're going to talk about asthma. And this is going to be, um, I might go long on this segment. I might go past the bottom of the hour break. We'll see. Because uh, we got lots of stuff here uh, to talk about. Um, and, you know, any kind of pulmonary problem that makes it harder for us to breathe 
kind of difficult to live with. And, you know, that is exactly what medical science says to asthma patients, that there's no cure, and uh, at best uh, the condition can be managed, you know, with their drugs. So patients are told to avoid, you know, common asthma triggers and to never be without their medications. However, there is now some new evidence that asthma is more than just a genetic condition, and it may be a condition that's been created or at the very least exacerbated by medical science into the epidemic levels we see today. So we're going to take a look and see uh, what this new evidence is and see how we can sidestep asthma. Mm. All right, first the characteristics. Uh, We've talked about asthma before on the show, but there's some new evidence. So I thought we'd uh, re-resurrect the the topic here. Um, It's not too difficult to spot someone that has an asthma attack. You know, it's the unfortunate individual who suffers from the recurrent wheezing, coughing, and shortness of breath is a person who suffers from asthma. And the attacks can be mild or severe when their airway to their lungs becomes blocked or clogged with mucus. And if the blockage isn't removed quickly, suffocation can occur. So modern medicine lists the causes of asthma as chronic inflammation and a thickening of the bronchial and nasal passages. So the inflammation triggers muscle spasms, further constricting the air passages, making breathing extremely difficult. And most medications used by asthma patients reduce the inflammation caused by asthma, but long-term use can offer some side effects you know, scarring of the lung tissue and so forth. Well, let's look at some of the statistics because they're changing a little bit from the last time we talked about this. So in 2010, when I reported on asthma, um, the statistics showed that in the U.S. there were 23 million with asthma that would be 16 million adults and 7 million children. Now, in 2016, the Asthma and Allergy Foundation of America announced that we have 24 million Americans with asthma. And the CDC is stating on their site that 1 in 14 Americans has asthma, 1 in 10 children has asthma. So according to their statistics, more male children have asthma than females, and asthma has continued to increase since the 1980s. And checking the statistics on the reasons for children uh, to be absent from school, you would think, you know, common illnesses, injury, or depression would be at the top of the list. However, asthma is. And over 2 million end up in the emergency room with asthma, and it accounts for 14 million doctor visits a year. So on a daily basis, we lose about 10 Americans. They die from asthma. So 10 too many. All right, let's look, um, because there are some stats that are showing up. Um, There's a difference in ethnic groups with asthma. The Asthma and Allergy Foundation of America states that certain ethnic groups are more prone to asthma. More blacks than Caucasians develop asthma, and 80% of the Puerto Rican population has asthma. I had no idea. You know, did you? I didn't know that. So more uh, blacks than whites, and uh, the Puerto Ricans obviously have an asthma issue. So there has been also speculation on the air quality in poor neighborhoods that trigger asthma. So the percentage of blacks to Caucasian children with asthma is twice as high for the black community. And black children with asthma visit the hospital 330% more than Caucasians, and they have a 220% greater risk of hospital stays. 
And we also have been told that more black male babies have autism. So could vaccines be causing autism and asthma and other health conditions in the black community? Hmm. It's a question. Well, let's get to the new findings, this new report, which I was just, you know, excited to read. Um, In August 2016, Live Science published a report on asthma and the likelihood uh, all children have equal risk of developing asthma. Hmm. So the report also mentioned a study that was done in correlation of asthma to dairy and the type of dairy farm. That's interesting. So according to the study, the Amish have their own dairy farms, and they have less asthma than the general population. So the study was published in the August issue of the New England Journal of Medicine, so you can read the entire study there. But one of the lead researchers, Carol Ober, she's a professor at the Human Genetics University of Chicago lab, she says this, exposure to Amish-like environments seems to protect children from asthma. Wow, that's kind of huge, isn't it? Well, they did a little research um, on some possible correlations for why this is. And in the Amish study, the researchers compared the Amish farming community in Indiana to the Hitterite religious community in South Dakota. So the communities had similarities in that they, you know, they shun most modern conveniences and technology Both communities breastfed babies, they had large families, and they had uh, similar diets. However, the Hitterite community had a higher rate of asthma compared to the Amish community. Hmm. So blood samples from the children in both these communities were collected, and they also collected dust samples from their homes as well. And this is what they said about those results. The Amish children had a higher level of immune system cells associated with innate immune response. So this is the heart and soul of the immune system, basically. They also had more neurotrophous blood cells, which help fight infections, and they had fewer esoenthylous cells, which cause allergic reactions or excessive inflammation. So this means the Amish immune system is stronger and more reactive to disease. That's huge. Um, also on the dust that was taken from the homes, the Amish, uh, from the Amish homes, uh, they took the dust and they, and they exposed lab animals to it, and they didn't have any responses. They didn't have any asthma responses, but uh, the dust from the Hitterite houses did produce an allergic response in lab animals. So the research team was able to test the dust and the Amish, from the Amish houses, which had uh, trace elements of their dairy farm in it. Yeah, the Amish children are exposed to many more microbes at a younger age than the Hitterite children. So the Amish also engage in traditional farm practices. They usually have a single-family dairy farm. They have horse-drawn field work and transportation, whereas the Hitterites live in a large communal farm They use more modern farm practices, and the children are really not exposed to the farm animals like the Amish children are. So the percentage of asthma cases with the Amish compared to the Hitterites is 5% for the Amish, which is about half the national U.S. average, and 21% for the Hitterites. 
So this is huge. This is a huge discrepancy. Huge. All right, Carol Ober, professor of human genetics, University of Chicago, she says this, this study suggests that farming microbes involving livestock with early and frequent exposure boosts the Amish immune system. Recreating the Amish time-tested experience could be a way to protect children from asthma. <laughs> what do you think of that? Should we all go back to the Amish way of life? Well, the Amish don't pay taxes. That may be a big reason why we could do that. Um, well, let's go on. Let's look at some of the environmental triggers for asthma. Uh, the asthma triggers typically are perfume. Uh, a lot of people with asthma can't walk down the soap aisle at the grocery store. It's too many fragrances and they have an attack. Also, fireplace smoke or tobacco smoke and kerosene heaters have too many carbon emissions and can throw someone into an attack. So children without asthma who live with parents who smoke have a 50% increased risk of respiratory dysfunction like bronchitis, pneumonia, ear infections, and a, a deep increased risk of respiratory problems as they age and become adults. And they also have an increased risk of behavioral problems. So other non-chemical triggers for asthma are stress, trauma, cold fronts where there's a drop in pressure, and excessive noise. Now, there are also some food triggers for asthma uh, patients. Uh, there are certain foods that can bring on an attack. The most common foods are eggs, certain types of fish or shellfish, nuts, chocolate, and Coca-Cola. Yeah, a study done by the uh, Hammersmith Hospital in London found that Coke triggers asthma anywhere from one hour to four days after consumption. So someone with, uh, you know, Coke drinks, someone, somehow the Coke product increases, they say, the sensitivity to histamine. And a study from the Netherlands found that some foods can offer a late onset or delayed trigger to asthma, taking anywhere from 48 to 56 hours to engage in the asthmatic response. So patients who avoided such foods for at least 6 to 12 months decreased their asthma attacks by 93%. Also, MSG is um, one of those uh, food, uh, ingredients among uh, the big additives. Um, it's an asthmatic culprit as well, and it's in a lot of foods. So a lot of processed foods, processed milk products are also a risk for those with asthma. So whereas the organic unprocessed milk that the Amish consume seems to not offer as much of an asthma risk as processed milk does. Well, of course, look at the, the Amish. I'm sure they're not injecting their cows with a bunch of, you know, antibiotics and growth hormones and this and that. So their milk is probably pure and, you know, quite different. Um, all right, let's look at some uh, foods that can actually help with asthmatic responses. Uh, there was this German study by Dr. Walter Dorsch of Johannes Gutenberg University showed that onions can be an asthma sufferer's best friend. Yeah, Dr. Dorsch found that onions have a very strong anti-inflammatory action similar to the anti-inflammatory drugs. So the study reported that onion anti-inflammatory compounds 
were stronger than the popular anti-inflammatory drug prednisone. And Dr. Dorse was able to prove that by consuming onions or onion juice, it reduces the risk of asthmatic attacks by 50%. And the isolated compound, they think, in, that's in onion that's responsible uh, is called thiosulfonate. And onions also have the quercetin, which is an antioxidant known to, you know, relieve hay fever and stabilize cell membranes. And uh, those things also release histamine. Now, a study out of New York State University by Dr. Eric Block found another sulfur compound in onion that also blocks the chemical reactions that tend to lead to an asthma attack. So onion, 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 have some handy. Uh, Fish was also on the list. Uh, Fatty fishes with lots of fatty oils, omega-3 fatty acids, beneficial, very beneficial for asthmatics. So if you add the fish to the diet, the body is able to regenerate the lining of the airways and remove the thickening and the scarred tissue and restore easier breathing. According to a British study with asthma patients, if you eat eight ounces of mackerel each day or you take high doses of fish oil for about 10 weeks, it offered a 50% reduction of the inflamed passages. The researchers think that it's the leukotyrenes which help normalize the bronchial constrictions better than any antihistamine product. Also, by adding fish, which contain omega-3 fatty acids to your diet, like salmon, sardines, tuna, or mackerel, this may diminish or prevent an asthma attack. It is an interesting statistic that cold weather can trigger an asthma, yet Eskimos who eat fish all the time have little or no asthma. Dr. Joel Schwartz conducted a study with the Environmental Protection Agency and found that fish eaters less likely to develop asthma or other respiratory problems. A London study by Guy's Hospital confirmed Dr. Schwartz's finding, as did a French study at the Rothschild Hospital. Wow. All right, uh, fruits and vegetables. Uh, Vitamin C, you're going to find that in your fruits and vegetables. Your organic especially can help you breathe easier. Uh, During Dr. Uh, Schwartz's fish study, he also found that fruits and vegetables can help control the inflammation response of asthma. He found that if you eat foods with at least 300 milligrams of vitamin C, the blood becomes rich with the nutrient and reduces asthmatic responses and bronchitis by about 30%. So to equal Dr. Schwartz's vitamin C requirement, you'd have to eat about three cups of broccoli or drink three eight-ounce glasses of orange juice a day. Most American diets don't come close to that level, so Dr. Schwartz says vitamin C stimulates a histamine production and it's able to eliminate contractions of the bronchial muscles that trigger the asthma attack. So the vitamin C also stimulates postagulins to control inflammation. Other studies have been done using 500 to 1,000 milligrams of vitamin C to stop or prevent asthma attacks, and research has reported that when asthmatics go vegetarian or remove a large majority of the animal meats, animal foods from their diet, they have a 71% improvement in just four months. There you go. So um, try to get some rich vitamin C into the diet. Um, These foods, um, you know, Suspend that allergic reaction. Make sure your vitamin C is not coming from China, please, because most of it is. You've got to really hunt for the good stuff. Um, I can see by the clock we're going to be taking a break, but 
Uh, we still have uh, one food to cover. I think I have time to squeeze it in. Uh, cayenne, hot and spicy foods, um, asthma deters asthma, according to research. Uh, this is uh, the foods that you know block up the uh, break up the blockages and open up the airwaves and help you breathe easier are cayenne pepper, according to Dr. Irwin Zygmunt, pulmonary disease expert at UCLA. So hot peppers. Garlic, mustard, onions, other mucokinetic action from these foods deter asthma attacks, clear mucus away, and help asthmatic people breathe easier. They stimulate nerve endings as well and increase water secretions to block to break up the mucus. Yep, they have the power to move those things, fluids. So cayenne pepper uh, is excellent for asthmatics. Remember that. Probably why they do well eating Mexican food. Right? Hot chilies. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to take a break. When we come back. We're going to finish this topic up. We got some color therapy to mention, as well as other helpful therapies for asthmatics and some herbs. We've got, got to fit the herbs in. Absolutely going to get those in. And then we'll move on to our other topics like ancient sources of therapies. Ooh. We'll be right back. I can feel the magic floating in. Are you willing to put your trust in an untested vaccine hoping it kills mutating viruses? 
Remember, in 1976, health officials tried to inoculate Americans with swine flu, and there was a 300% death rate in those inoculated, and millions were paid out in damages. God gave you a sophisticated immune system, and in times of need, you can make it 10 times stronger. So there's no need to panic. Just get prepared. Call Apothecary Herbs to order your upgraded pandemic kit. You will have eight professional strength formulas offering broad-spectrum immune-boosting protection. Take a stand, have a plan, have peace, and request your pandemic kit today. Or take your chances with the bad boys. Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free, 866-229-3663, or online, thepowerherbs.com. Go green. Herb Talk Live Green. Now with herbalist Wendy Wilson. Apothecary Herbs announces a brand new formula to help balance blood pressure from head to foot, strengthen your heart muscle, and reduce cholesterol. Now you have a professional strength alternative that works all without fear or worry of serious side effects. Empower yourself. Become independent from the expensive drugs. Call Apothecary Herbs and ask for heart, blood pressure, and cholesterol formula toll-free, 866-229-3663, or online at the3ws.thepowerherbs.com. Heart, blood pressure, and cholesterol formula is just $24.95 and comes with a money-back guarantee. So get a pencil and write this down. Apothecary Herbs, toll-free, 866 866- 229-3663 or on the web at the 3 wsthepowerherbscom Wendy Wilson, and uh, we're talking about asthma for the first part of the show, and here's something that's really kind of crazy, a color therapy, uh, some research on that. Uh, we know that light can influence our moods, and apparently it, color can also affect breathing. A study that was done with different colors of light to see if asthma sufferers responded, and according to the findings, the colors of red, yellow, orange, when applied to the chest cavity, emit a special wave particle that sends energy vibrations, deactivates uh, some body enzymes, and improves the breathing for asthmatics. How crazy is that, right? All right. Some other therapies that also help with asthmatics, uh, many experts are recommending a combination of therapies uh, for asthmatic sufferers from detox programs to modifying the diet. But it seems important to those with asthma to obtain more of the beta-carotenes, the natural calcium in the diet, and magnesium. Uh, other therapies that also seem to be helpful are things like hydrotherapy, aromatherapy, 
along with consistent exercise to improve that lung capacity. So, all right, let's get to the herbs that are going to rock your world if you're an asthmatic. Uh, we talked about onion already and cayenne, but um, garlic is also a wonderful herb. It's really cousin to the onion. Um, it fights off viral, bacterial, and fungal infections and helps with bronchial secretions. Thyme herb is also has some antimicrobial properties also to ward off many pathogens that you might breathe in. And it's also great for uh, whooping cough. It's an old-time remedy for whooping cough. Uh, willow bark, meadowsweet, and mullein, uh, anti-inflammatory pain relievers, also soothing, uh, some soothing, soothes pulmonary uh, organs. Lobelia, very good for dilating uh, the chest cavity and, and getting rid of it. And it's an antispasmodic, so it gets rid of that contraction of the bronchial. So lobelia is very helpful for asthmatics, helps them breathe easier, dilates the lungs. Um, marshmallow root, high in natural calcium, soothes inflamed respiratory passages. Valerian root calms irritated nerve endings that tend to trigger asthma. Peppermint alleviates any discomfort or nausea or vomiting that helps rest the chest muscles. Cayenne, we talked about removing the mucus blockage. And um, also helps the body, strengthens the body, so you can overcome weaknesses and fatigue. And also it helps rebuild, rebuild a resistance to colds and flu bugs. And you're going to find the garlic, the mullein, the um, pain reliever, the anti-inflammatory, willow bark and meadowsweet, the lobelia, the marshmallow, the valerian, the peppermint circulation, all of it, and apothecary herbs. Of course it's there. Where else would it be? Uh, you can give them a call for a free product catalog at 866-229-3663. That's 866-229-3663. If you're outside the U.S., dial 704-885-0277. And that's where your healthcare options just became endless because it puts the power back in your hands. And when you get a certified organic, tilt-standard, whole food formula that's been uh, protected from uh, friction and heat and it's cold-pressed, um, that's a game changer. People just are amazed at the difference that that product compared to what you usually get in stores that's mass-produced and it's made hastily. So um, check it out, thepowerherbs.com. That's putting the power back in your hands. Take advantage of their Labor Day sale. They have that through Monday the 5th. You'll save 15% on orders of $50 or more. So you can stock up on your immune boosters, your organ cleansing. You can get... Uh, Flea and tick collars for your pets and shampoo for your pets and things like that are all organic and natural. Um, just check it out, thepowerherbs.com. You'll be glad you did. Toll free once again, 866-229-3663. Yes, I get calls about that catalog. We're working on the catalog. We're fine-tuning it. So we're hoping, we're hoping to send the catalog to the printer um, the third week of this month and um, – have it ready to mail out by the first week of October. So we're working on it. New catalog, new products too. Yep, you're going to see them all there. All right, we're going to be talking about some ancient sources. Mm -mm. What do the ancients know that we don't? Well, scientists and researchers are turning to ancient medical texts, uh, the herbal medicine texts as well. Um, they're looking at the folk medicine uh, books. Uh, they're written down through this, uh, the, the hundreds of years passed down by families. They want to find 
the next generation of drugs from this information. So science prefers to take herbs, turn them into individual derivatives to make their science-based medicine, also known as prescribed medication. And, you know, they get to patent that, see. Uh, Also, Asian countries, about 80% of the population there use herbs for their medicine. For instance, in China, scientists are turning to the herb compounds, which now make up about 40% of their pharmaceutical market. And the Chinese government spends $1 billion a year in traditional medicine research. So roughly 70 hospitals in China, that's 15% of the hospitals there, use herbal medicines to treat patients with, while the rest use westernized medicine. So the West does not embrace China's herb treatments or products due largely to the concern on quality. And the European Union makes it illegal to sell traditional Chinese herbal medicine treatments, which are not registered with the European Union traditional herbal medicine registration scheme. I'm not kidding. That's what they call it. So as China wrestles, With improving quality standards, other countries are keeping their ear to the ground on what healing miracles may be discovered in ancient herbal texts. Hmm. All right. um, But, you know, whatever they find, you know what they're going to do. They're going to adulterate the thing. They're going to isolate it. They're going to change it so they can compatent it. But the problem is the beauty of herbs is they're perfectly balanced already the way they are. And when you start isolating compounds, you're, you're breaking up uh, the function, the action that the herbs present. So what scientists and pharmaceutical companies and researchers are discovering is that herbs have multiple compounds, and it kind of makes it more difficult to isolate the compound. Uh, they, want to look, they want that compound that performs the task they're seeking. So an ancient herb formula of let's say just two herbs can present a molecule complex situation. So what science is developing and discovering is that herbs have many ingredients inside themselves and that makes for hundreds of compounds. It's it's very complex. I think the creator did that on purpose. What do you think? So in order to um, expedite the process of identifying and isolating all these compounds, Chinese researchers have constructed a computer algorithm to screen large collections of herbal extracts and try to isolate the pure compound, which can have hundreds of molecules and cell lines inside of it. So the problem that they face is if they focus tightly on individual compounds, they can miss the big picture. Compounds can have a synergistic effect when paired together. Separating these compounds can produce a very different effect. So modern medicine does the same thing with treating, you know, a specific area of the body that has, you know, a disease instead of the entire system. They just kind of isolate that one body part. So what do they have so far? Well, what the scientists and doctors in China have been doing is looking at herbs that improve digestion to see if they can be used to relieve the side effects of chemotherapy. So perhaps they should really look at the herbs that destroy cancer and skip this chemotherapy. What do you say? However, you know, real cures really don't, you know, pay 
the country club dues or the big house payment or the uh, imported vehicle uh, car note. So, you know, finding a cure for stuff like that, you're going to be waiting a while if you're waiting for modern medicine to tell you about it. All right, so uh, real cures really cannot just, you know, justify the cost that medicine demands in keeping itself operating. You know, medicine is a business. It's an industry. It's a corporation. So researchers in China receive funding from the National Institutes of Health, and the U.S. is also in the development of experimental drugs for the purpose of making chemo more tolerable. But in order to patent an herb compound, they have to isolate it. They have to alter it. They have to make it original somehow. It can't be God's copyright. You can't do that. So this is how they tend to operate. They drain out a gnat and swallow a camel. That's That's how I describe it. Yep. They're not looking at the big picture. They strain out a gnat, but they swallow a camel. All right, uh, here's a uh, quote from Carl Washingtonism. He's a neurobiologist with Life Science Division in Hong Kong University of Science. He says there are around 100,000 herbal formulas going back 2,000 years that can be used to treat a range of illnesses from depression and insomnia to osteoporosis. Traditional herbal medicine is a human treasure, and it should be shared with the world. Well, yeah, you know, herbs are here for the service of man. They're not for just a certain group of individuals to to control. You know, God's going to get mad if that happens. They're trying over in Europe right now. But we should stand up for our rights. God said herbs are here for the service of man. They're meat. Yeah. Healing of the nations. That's what they're for. All right, let's talk about this shipwreck, which had some ancient medicine information on it, which was so cool. I love digging up stuff like that. You know, if I hadn't been an herbalist, I'd been an archaeologist. I would. Uh, In 2002, a shipwreck off the coast of Tuscany, Italy, revealed some interesting secrets. Artifacts that were recovered were about 2,000 years old and were medical in nature, They found a mortar and pestle. They found a bleeding cup. They found a surgical hook. They found tins with dry, intact, green herbal pills inside. (laughs) I wonder how they stay dry. I really do. But these were the only known medicine samples that they've had in antiquity. So the Department of Antiquities of Italy released a sample of the tablet to be analyzed by genie, uh, let's see, genealogist Dr. Robert Fleischer, Fleischer from Smithsonian Center of Conservative and Evolutionary Genetics. Fleischer, I guess is how you pronounce his name. Uh, anyway, anyone that wanted to know anything about these uh, plant tablets, uh, they had to go to the Smithsonian to find out what happened. Um, this was an ancient supplement that they were dealing with. So, you know, the Smithsonian had to do it. So what scientific uh, tests showed was that the plant's DNA had degraded. However, the plant fibers were well preserved. So they extracted what DNA that they could 
from the samples and they compared it to DNA listed in the GenBank, which is a genetic database operated by the National Institutes of Health. And what they found were traces of carrot, parsley, alfalfa, celery, wild onion, radish, yarrow root, hibiscus, and sunflower. So the tablet was held together with some clay, probably some, you know, edible, digestible clay, um, bentonite maybe, bentonite clay. Researchers then cross-referenced the ingredients with ancient Greek texts, such as uh, the Hippocratic Collection um, that was, they thought, written by Hippocrates. So what they concluded that the ancient supplement was used basically to relieve digestive disorders, which sailors were known to have. So there is speculation that the tablets would have been dissolved in a liquid to drink, like wine, vinegar, or water. Uh, they can also recover more ancient medicinal artifacts um, if they do. They would offer some more clues as to what the ancient physicians worked on, how the trade routes influenced the plant-based healthcare of their day. All right, so what do you suppose we did before we had Greek physicians? Well, before the Greeks became known for their healing knowledge, there was the Egyptians. Uh, Homer, 800 BC, wrote about the Odyssey that the Egyptian physicians were extremely skilled than any other culture, and much of what is known about the Egyptian healing and their arts is through later reports in antiquity. So very few Egyptian texts on health have been found, and it is known that famous Greek healers, such as Galen and Hippocrates, studied at the Temple of Emotep, and their writings acknowledge the Egyptian medicine as a great contributor. So the Rosetta Stone of 1822 shed some light on Egyptian hieroglyphics and some medical treatments that were written on Pyrus. Some of these uh, texts were instructions for Egyptian doctors to perform surgery. Other texts wrote about formulas for prescriptions on how to diagnose disease and set broken bones, how to write up medical reports, and what was thought to be a tumor. So the majority of their healing arts included ailments made from animals, minerals, vegetables, and fruit. And the ancient world of healing arts also included spells and alchemy, most notably attributed to an Egyptian priest, an architect, or a physician called Imhotep. So he wrote about trauma cases, uh, falling off a horse or chariot with, when it was in motion, that it caused many injuries. Some could be fatal. And it's believed that the boy king, Tut, fell from the chariot and broke his leg. X-rays and MRI scans of his remains suggest the wound was severe enough that it caused protruding bone from the skin, and most likely he died of a um, blood infection from the injury. So the Egyptians seemed very interested also in the brain, and they developed cranial sutures and were able to analyze cranial spinal fluids. So medical scholars feel that the health treatments provided by ancient Egyptian physicians kind of surpassed what medical skill Hippocrates uh, knew about a thousand years later. So 
magic was really not only medical mode for the ancient world, but it also the texts point out that the ancient healing arts developed from observation, examination, and experimentation, just like today. So it wasn't all just, you know, magic and spells. It had some common sense stuff going on. Let's talk about some of the hierarchy within medicine in Egypt. This is interesting. The medical hierarchy in ancient Egypt went as follows. There was the chief medical officer, the superintendent, the inspector, and then the physicians. So it appears that the coroner or the medical examiner of their day was the top man, followed by the detectives and the law enforcement, and then the physicians were at the end of the totem pole. And this was a culture obsessed with the afterlife. And it makes perfect sense that the guy that sends a body to be mummified would be pretty much more important than the guy who saves you from having to die and to become a mummy. So, by the way, the name for the Egyptian physician in the ancient world was Wabu. And uh, the first recorded female physician in Egypt was Lady Prashat, 2400 B.C., yeah, so um, shepherd of the uh, uh, physician. Anyway, I think that's interesting stuff. See, I would have been an archaeologist had I not been an herbalist. All right, so the Egyptians forged this path long in history for medicine. Uh, they were the first to discover the heart was involved in blood supply to the body. They were first to discover vascular medicine. They were also knowledgeable about... Um, kidney function and kidney disease, renal failure. Um, they also were very, uh, capable of diagnosing mental health issues. They wrote about them and also the treatment they had for depression and dementia. Uh, they were um, fertility specialists. They were dentists. They were ophthalmologists, oncologists, and uh, of the ancient world, basically. But that's what they were. And some of the entries that they found, kind of fascinating. Um, like this one, half an onion and the froth of a beer was considered a delightful remedy against death. Beer and onions. Uh, oh, you can go to Outback for that. Uh, yeah, the blooming onion and get you a cold one. Mm -hmm. I know. I'm just you know having fun. Uh, so the Egyptians had their own version of uh, Sirpa Ipecac. Um, there also were treatments to remove parasites that are still being used today, by the way. And the Egyptians used many herbs and spices as their medicine and included cumin, uh, fenugreek, coriander, and other standard herbs they had of their day. So in their ancient texts that we do have listed of the, these herbs and some of the benefits, so they listed also sesame seeds soothes asthma symptoms. There you go. Mustard relieves chest pain. Mint is great for digestion. Turmeric to help close wounds, mm. poppy for headaches and insomnia, and onion for colds and heart problems. Now, the American medical physician today practices some of the ancient healing arts, including alchemy. Did you know that? So alchemy was a practice with supernatural incantations, metals and crystals and amulets, and it was anything but scientific. So uh, from this ancient culture of witchcraft called alchemy, we have vaccines with heavy metals in them, mercury. Uh, you know, so Dr. Anthony Morris um, 
confirmed that there's really no scientific evidence to support the claims vaccine therapy prevents or uh, cures disease. So uh, we need to keep that in mind. That's right. So the ancient world of physicians had its strength and had its weaknesses just like medicine does today. Egyptian physicians excelled in the areas of trauma and surgery, but uh, turned out to be less effective against treatments regarding prevention, sort of like today, right? And we can learn by past mistakes and strengthen our body, you know, have healthier lifestyles using some powerful herbs and, um, and be smart about how we use them. And there's a lot of herbs that work just like a poor man's antibiotic without all the side effects of an antibiotic. Uh, there are herbs that strengthen the cardio uh, so, so you don't have to take, um, you know, arrhythmia drugs and things like that. You have tools. And you probably say, well, okay, but how do I use them? Well, that's where the apothecary herbs folk come in. Uh, they are bent on educating you on the power of the herbs, okay? So with each product they make, and they make their own product line, uh, you get info sheets on that particular formula and why it works and how it works and, you know, how it strengthens. And uh, so they, they give you some guidelines there. And so you can be eventually a connoisseur of herbs pretty much, medicinal ones, to empower yourself and benefit yourself and your family. So now's the time. If you've ever been wanting to learn how you can have that independence and freedom of using medicinal herbs as strengthening the system, and, um, you know, healing the system, then balancing the system, you know, helping the body heal itself is basically what nutrition does. You medicate yourself every day with what you put in your mouth. So without water, you get dehydrated, you die. Without food, you, you, you starve to death, you die. So food, foods, herbs, water, all really medicinal. So don't be afraid of herbs as medicinal. People get all kind of freaky about using herbs, you know. They have no qualms about going to the drugstore and picking up a prescription of toxic chemicals and popping those in. But herbs? All right. We all know God can't lie. He said herbs are here for the service of man. They're meat, and they're for the healing of the nation. Meat means they're powerful. They have a lot of protein and live nutrition to help the body uh, repair and balance. So uh, tap into it. And learn how to do that. And if you're wanting to learn more, uh, get a Power Herbs book, $14.99 at thepowerherbs.com. It's a download. It's an ebook. You can select your format, iPad, Kindle, PDF, $14.99. And get your feet wet and get empowered at thepowerherbs.com. That's how easy it is. Ooh, I hope you all have a great Labor Day. You all be smart out there. And, uh, you know, be responsible. Don't overdo. Watch the sugar. Please watch the sugar. The information presented is not intended to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure disease, to seek medical advice, or to dare from a licensed medical physician before using any product therapy. I'm your herbalist, Wendy Wilson. Until next time, be well.
political, religious, and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. People realize their body needs clean water to function properly. Pure is the cleanest water, also known as distilled water. Some frauds pushing fake science and ignorant people repeating their disinformation and half-truths will tell you distilled water leaches minerals from the body. What they fail to tell you is distilled water only attracts and flushes inorganic minerals from your body. These are minerals your body cannot process and can interfere with your proper body functions. Distilled water does flush these inorganic materials from your body and is an effective and natural way to cleanse your body. AVR sells a distiller that distills one gallon every three and a half hours. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com, click on the Superstore, go to the distiller, check the pricing and how to order, and watch the video explaining in detail why distilled water is pure water. Welcome to the Messiah. 
Messiah's Branch Broadcast, a one-hour prophecy program on the American Voice Radio Network, featuring Pastor Dan of the Messiah's Branch Ministry. And now, here's Pastor Dan. Greetings, saints, and welcome to the Messiah's Branch Prophecy Hour. We are broadcasting live from the Flint Hills of Kansas, and we're on the American Voice Radio Network. Today's date is September 1st, 2016. Most just do not realize that, but we are in that time of the end. And that's the time before Messiah's glorious turn. return. It's time to get out of sin, the world, and look to the holy city. Look to the one who suffered and died for you. Hear the sound of the shofar. Heed the warning. Get right now before it's too late. Please make this choice tonight. If you need help after this program, call me. I'll pray for you or with you. If you get the machine, please leave your name, your number, your prayer request, and or message. The phone number, of course, is 620-878-4682, 620-878-4682. In an emergency, my cell phone number is 316-619-4886. You can always find updates with the Breaking News, our ministry, radio program archives, email address, along with our mailing address on our blog, which is very simply prophecyhour.com, prophecyhour.com. And if you want to just try audio archives uh, and you're on your smartphone or whatever, messiahsbranch.com. Try that out. Let me know how you like it. Also, you should check out branch.podomatic.com. All these are really smartphone-friendly, so check them out. Remember, we are a national satellite program, which is simulcast live on the net internationally, so pray about supporting airtime. And I want to thank our listener base that is worldwide in places like Helsinki, Finland, Mexico City, Mexico, Baja, California, that's in Mexico, imagine that, Sargassa, Spain, India, Mumbai, India, New Delhi, India, Vancouver, Canada, Calgary, Canada, Toronto, Canada, Winnipeg, Canada, Montreal, um, QC, Canada, Israel, you know, really amazes me, and I've seen there's a few more, I'm going to change this next week to different cities, but there's a few more cities that's popped up in Canada, and you know what? All of them seem to be within about 100 miles of the border. Does everybody live on the border in Canada? Not trying to insult you, just curious. Anyway, and of course, cities in the United States like Sacramento, California, Town and Country, Florida, Corpus Christi, Texas, Anaheim, California, San Jose, California, Columbus, Ohio, Buffalo, New York, Washington, D.C., and that list goes on and on and on, as well as Wichita, Kansas, which still remains the largest group of listeners to our radio programs, at least when they go to Potomatic later on tonight. Now, prayer, and we'll bring on tonight's guest. Dear Heavenly Father, in Yeshua HaMashiach's name, I pray, Father, please give this this nation another chance to repent and heal so Christians might have a safe place to be during these terrible times and so that we might also bless Israel, all to glorify you and not to glorify the world. 
Father, I pray that radio tonight uh, goes according to your will and not mine. And please give everyone out their ears in which to hear the truth. So please, Father, in Yeshua Hamashiach's name, 